Thank you for visiting ChristopherMedia.net. Christopher Media, let's make some noise. From Asmacore Studios near Detroit, Michigan, it's unregimented. Gangsters, what's up, guys? And now, here are your hosts. By the way, last week was pretty fucking fantastic, I think. Thought so? Yeah. I'd love to have her on. I thought that... I, I thought it was a, a somewhat badly needed balance. <laughs> that was nice to have. And she was very articulate. Very smart girl. Yeah, we'll say that for 17-year-old, most 17-year-olds I've dealt with lately. Like, <laughs> she's going to be all right. Oh, <laughs> Just yeah. as far as how she speaks and handles herself. Me at 17, I mean, I was like... Oh, God, no. A, a God, nerd. I was like a... Articulate a her. Right, I, I was a nerd and everything, and I read books and shit. But if you ask me my opinion on stuff, I'd be like, "God, what? I I don't know. Like, why? Uh, f- this is not cool. What's going on?" Or when I was seventeen, most of my opinions would ended with "fuck that." <laughs> I don't know. It's like bullshit and whatever. Bunch of fucking bullshit, man. Yeah, well, yeah. no, that's <laughs> that's how come I can't stand most of my friends' kids. But yeah, Monique it's, is it's head on their shoulders, man. What? She was 13 or 14, and uh, we sat down and started talking, and I was like, okay, where did this come from? Because most of my friends, you know, kids are just like, they're kids, you know what I'm saying? They, they And then we started talking music, and she had just started uh, taking band, and we started talking like music theory. And I was like, all okay, right. all right. She's, yeah, she's not your average teenager. Yeah, she had to be 14 because it was her first year of high school. So, yeah. So, I was like, okay, she's not your average teenager. And I, and I started giving her guitar lessons for a little bit, but her thing's really bass. It's not, it's not guitar. She, you know, she tried, what, bass, guitar, viola, and oh, I forget what, what wind instrument like all at once and she was okay at all of them but she excelled at bass so that's the one that she stuck with nice so but yeah Man. um i i've i've made no bones about it i said you know out of all my i mean i don't tell all my friends this but you know I, i've told a select few who don't have kids when Why we talk kids about so our, dumb <laughs> when we talk about when 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 i talk to my friends about our friends kids i'm like I don't know about you guys, but Monique's the one I worry about the least. And they're like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, we don't even worry about her. She's going to, unless she picks up, like, a nasty drug habit somewhere down the line or something, she's going to be fine. I'm like, yeah. (laughs) Well, that's a nod to her folks, too. Like, it didn't just happen. Well, I don't know if you guys remember, but we were talking, I guess, a long time ago about, uh, one of my friend's daughters started dating and her parents were just like, all right, we're, we're not even going to play this game and took her to the doctor, put her on birth control, laid it out to her. Like, look, you're 14. You're going to do what you want to do. But, uh, 
you know, we personally, we don't think you're ready at 14 to start having sex and everything, but you come home with a baby and fuck your life up. You're going to find, you know, you're going to understand, you're going to understand why we said you're going to fuck your life up. So take these pills, be smart, blah, blah, blah. Well, that was her. And because, and according to her, because they did that, she waited to have sex until she was like almost 17. And I'm like, right, because you gave her the the responsibility. Isn't that the opposite of what they fucking tell us will happen? Right. Hey, let's do. I actually wanted to talk about this on the show today. Can we just do introductions real quick? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Welcome to show 176. I'm Chris. I'm Aaron. I'm Rich. And we're guys talking about birth control. (laughs) Yeah. No, but they. uh, I heard a story on NPR today that they were. They had introduced a bill to make uh, birth control legal over the as an over-the-counter drug because you can't OD on the shit. You can't abuse it. The worst thing you could do with it is not take it correctly and get pregnant. That's what every doctor says. So that's the criteria for making something prescription? I've never known what's what the criteria is, really. Well, there's some amount of control that you... I mean, the contro- controlled substances certainly would never get over the counter. The The level for abuse is certainly a, uh, a factor in that, as well as yeah, they want to see... I, I think it's it's partly like a patent thing, you know, an exclusivity of the uh, the creator of the drug that owns uh, the rights to produce that for a certain amount of years. But it's also looking at, you know, okay, we don't see any side effects in human trials, but who knows what happens over the course of five or ten years. Mm -hmm. And it would be nice to have that kind of time span to test out every drug, but unfortunately people are dying and suffering in the meantime. So there's got to be a a middle ground. I think it's well past due to have... birth control available over the counter. They did say that as part of the bill that the uh a underage girl would have to have a prescription first from a doctor in order to get it for the first time, but then could buy it over the counter after that. So they're promoting that girls would have an examination, see a doctor. I mean, I think do whatever any girl should do. I Honestly, well, I, don't, only, I don't think guys have to do that. My only question is for underage. Are we talking underage of 18 or underage of consent in that state? Um, that's a good question. I, I guess I'd have to look into the, the wording there because I don't know. But I don't believe that age of consent would have anything to do with this. Okay. Although... Both things would be decided by the state, wouldn't it? Well, I remember years ago when they were talking about um, abortion laws and teenage girls and stuff, and I thought it's—I thought some states said it at like, okay, at sixteen you can you can have an abortion without having to get your pa- parents' consent, or it was sixteen or seventeen. Or yeah, something and like those that. laws do vary by state, just like laws of consent do. So, yeah, I, I guess it probably would depend on the state. So, is this something that was come up with in? Uh reaction to the whole defunding planned parenthood thing no this maybe uh i I believe i believe this is something i I think this is something that has been pushed for in the past definitely uh 
it's just come due. I mean, it's it's time to do the right thing on this and not have the the ridiculous mentality that talking about sex promotes sex because we understand that it's the thinking about sex that promotes sex and and just saying to your kid, "Hey, there's a pill or you know, there's a way to protect yourself uh, or anything, you know, when it comes to condoms, uh, birth control pills, just general sex health or, or, uh, or just talking about how to handle yourself. You know, I, I wasn't going all feminist or anything, but I also happened upon a, a TED talk from a woman who was talking about the way that we talk about uh, reproduction and, just, and sex, recreational sex to kids and how even as uh, even before kids hit puberty as boys i know definitely in this society the the boys when they're they're little their their shit hangs out they play with it it gets a name yeah what's that well that's your ding dong that's your hoo hoo it's your whatever not so much with the girls i don't know if uh that's your secret shame it's it's just kind of glossed over. They said even she said that even when you get to uh, the level where you you have sex ed in school, that the people uh, the, the the females aren't taught about the same thing that the males are. The males are taught about you know the physiology of it, right? What makes you get hard, and where does the sperm come from? You know. When it comes to women, they, they show you the, the thing that looks like a deer's head, and they don't really talk about the vagina or, or much about the labia or what sex really is. I don't know, because obviously being a man, I've never sat in any of those classes. But it is, it's very interesting, not only the different ways that we treat uh, sex in these subjects, but also age, with this concept that teenage sex is something that we can prevent <laughs> does the girl start uh, does the girls class start with all right ladies today i'm going to teach you how to get anything you want for the rest of your life right you, we're never gonna we're never gonna prevent teenagers who want to have sex from having sex and even in our most puritanical we never stopped it so i don't understand how I think anyone Anyone in modern times can sit here and think that that's going to happen. I mean, even in societies where the the risk is, you know, family shame, being stoned, being beat, whatever. Right. And people are still teenagers fucking. still have sex. Yeah. Yes, that's how that is. That is, an, that is part of our evolutionary drive. That is how in deeply embedded in us it is. And to think that you're going to it's it's stop the, it with fear of something is ridiculous. Well, first of all. Let's face facts here. It is the single most defining characteristic of our evolution that has made us what we are today, that has made us so goddamn successful. Yeah, it's the one thing we're all sure of. We want to make more people. Yeah. We have, I mean, every organism has the drive to reproduce in whatever way it does, but our tenacity at it and our success rate has made us the dominant species on this planet. And it drives technology, even. Right, right, yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah, uh, what's his name? That was on Adam Carolla's podcast today. Uh, oh, Jim Norton. Yeah, I always want to call him Ed Norton. <laughs> 
But he was talking about it. Not that this was news to me, but every every next step in technology on the cutting edge of that is porno because that's what drives the dollar ultimately. The thing that we everybody wants to act like they don't participate, that they don't watch it, or they don't watch too much of it. You know, oh, I've seen some stuff. Oh, you know. It's a billion-dollar industry, so someone's watching right. it. Right. Everyone's like, my wife and I watch it on a special occasion or something when we're feeling kinky. And, and meanwhile, I mean, yeah, it's if not you, only driving our technology, but it's also showing... I mean, these porn sites release these figures. More people are, more people are looking at porn on cell phones now than they are on computers. Really? So it's none of you? None of you out there are part of this. It's If you really even just want to point out how big of a, of a factor porn is in technology and the economy. Go back and look at something like Betamax versus VHS. Porn went with VHS. When porn made that decision, mm-hmm. boom, Betamax was obsolete within a few years. I mean, it, it, yeah. it, when people went, okay, well, where can I, when I go to the video store, I can't run a Betamax, a porn on Betamax because it's all on VHS. I guess I'm getting a VCR, aren't I? Right. I mean, it's, it's that simple. But it, it, while I don't have uh, clear-cut examples of what I'm about to say, this does go back as well to photography, the invention of photography or the printing press, anything. <laughs> I mean, even the... Even the wheel was first pr- used probably to get laid to go you know right to go on and uh, to, to see hey, my, my parents aren't in my cave. Well, let me hop on my wheel and roll on over there <laughs> right like in b c you had like the one wheel with the stick through it, <laughs> and you just unicycled over to the next tribe and looked for some strange <laughs> Somebody was putting out some sexy smoke signals. I'm going to go investigate. Hey, does that smoke signal look like a boob? I'm getting on the wheel. I've already <laughs> fucked everyone here, even the men. It's time to move on. I need to. I need some transportation. <laughs> and and to get back, kind of what we were talking about with with teenagers is, yes. you want to get a teenager to do something, tell them not to do it. Right. That's just how we're wired in adolescence. And my argument for that is called Catholic school, because I did one year of Catholic high school. Good lord. That is a root. That is that is mm-hmm. buildings full of hormonal teenagers being told not to do everything. Guess what they're doing when they're not in school? Everything they're being told not to do: drugs. They're fucking right. each other. And the, they're drinking yeah, on the weekends. The overreaction is so severe that it seems almost built into that same evolution. That the fact that this is such a strong driver that it it can't be suppressed when it's tried to be when it, when people try to suppress it. It comes back even stronger. Well, like kind of, kind of like how we got our president. Yeah, it's it's kind of it's right. kind of the same mindset, kind of the same thought process, actually. Well, I, I, yeah, I get the analogy that these people you push you push on something, it's going to push back even harder. Right. Well, you know, it's funny that my daughter's mother, her family, I think I've discussed this before. Her family is very religious, and they're members of a certain religious group. And it, the more strict the families are, as far as, you know, basically painting sex as this, <clears throat> as this bad thing that, you know, you're not supposed to do until you're married and et cetera, et cetera. Usually, 
the wilder the kids are, and that's from personal experience, or the younger <laughs> they start families is the polite way to put it. Um, and I just, I, I, I remember sitting there and talking with my daughter's mother and going, okay, you don't see, you don't see a connection here. You don't, you know what I'm saying? Like, because, you know, we have a daughter, do, you know, we, we were really young parents. Do we want her to go down that same road? And of course she flipped it on me. Like, oh, you're saying she was a mistake. And I'm like, no, 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 no. What I'm saying is... Look at our ages, maybe. What I'm saying is... Well, I mean... uh, Nuance was lost at her. It was lost on her at this point in her life. Um, But, I mean... It it just... The the stats, everything, play out. The older and more stable and successful the parents are when they have kids, usually the better chance the kid has of growing up and becoming stable and successful themselves. I mean, when you have a kid, when you can barely keep a roof over your own head and keep yourself fed, that's not good for anybody. And I don't understand why these Christians who are, you know, well, any religious people, really, who, you know, are supposed to be compassionate and all this shit, why would you want to... And you care about children so much, you, 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 you know protest abortion clinics and et cetera, et cetera. Why do you want to set these kids up to be put in, you know, poverty in some of the worst situations that you could be put in, in this, in this country? Because, yeah, man, that's... because oh, your, your, your imaginary book of fairy tales says that they're not supposed to fuck before they're married. I mean, if you, I mean, if you want to plead to them, just look at it this way. Well, three, 400 years ago, they were getting married at 13, 14, because life expectancy was what? You were in your thirties. So, I guess if they're 15, 16 and they're having sex, they held out. Especially compared to when that book that you fucking t- put so much stock into was written. So, And I just, I, I find it ironic, like the, the Republicans, I mean, I think we talked about it in the chat a few months ago, how they're voting to defund Planned Parenthood. Those are the same motherfuckers that are going to bitch about all of these uh, kids and mothers that end up on welfare because they were forced to have kids before they could afford them or were ready for them. Like it's because it's it's the irony, Rich, of the Bible thumping people you're talking about. Yeah, you got to have these kids, but then they'll just lay into them when hey, why? Oh. Uh, they lost. I, yeah, I think I think his hotel Wi-Fi dropped out. Um, well, that's that just you know what Chris was saying. It goes back to I've stopped saying people are pro or pro life. I just call them you know you're pro birth because I mean. Once they're, once they're here, you just don't give a shit. Once they're here, they're their parents' problems. And, you know, people get, people get, I have friends that get pissed at that and they'll argue with me. And I say, well, what are you arguing about? What do you do for these kids once they're born? You fight so hard and, you, you know, you get so outraged and you post on Facebook and you forward all your emails and, you know, all this shit and post pictures of, of aborted fetuses on people's, you know, Facebook pages who didn't didn't ask for you to do so don't even support what your your point of view, but yet once these kids are here, all I see is you bitching on Facebook about why are my tax dollars paying for these fucking kids? Well, you know, it, it's pro it's pro birth. You're you're not pro child. 
You're not here to, you don't care about taking care of the child. I mean, that's one of the things that I will say, <clears throat> it's kind of fucked up to say this, but it's the way I feel. I think it's one of the good things that came about from, okay, I just got, did you get that message? He didn't call. <laughs> I'll call him. Well, since you killed the, uh, the, the Skype notifications, I didn't know if he was on or not, so. Did you try and call us? Because it didn't, didn't did. pop up over here. Hmm. Yeah, nah, it, it dropped me in and I tried to call back. And yeah, I just figured just, you'd call back in and I'd see but, it. Uh, well, anyway. one of the, what, what I was saying is one of the things that I think is, and, and it's fucked up to say this, I, I guess it's it's good in my opinion, uh, that's come from the takeover of the Republican Party by the quote-unquote alt-right. It's the alt-right, I, I barely hear any religious bullshit come from them. And to me, the more the farther religion is away from politics, any religion, I don't care what which one it is, the more comfortable I am with that. Because the more I hear someone start talking about God or Allah or Jesus or whoever the fuck, and they're in political power, the more nervous I get. Yeah, I don't like dogma dictating your political policy. Uh, I like logic and reason. That's cold comfort compared to what else is going on, though. Honestly, <laughs> I, I, but that's what I. But to me, that tells me that the Republic, the, the <clears throat> excuse me, the younger conservatives, right? Coming religion up, is less of a driver for their voting behavior. They've realized that, yeah, yeah they're going to well, they're then, going to keep losing if they base their entire fucking platform on religion. Yeah, this is in line with the national trend. But as far as younger generations are concerned, they are less and less concerned about religion in general. And isn't it amazing that once we, because, and this is something that <clears throat> I think Gen X we need to we need to get a little bit of credit for, because baby boomers. They, yeah, they didn't shove religion down their kids' throats as much as you know the greatest generation shoved religion down their throats. Yeah. But the baby boomers have really backed off of you know stuffing this shit into their kids' fucking heads from such a young age. Yes, because most of my Gen X parents and their friends go, it's up to my kid to decide if they want to be religious or not. I'm not taking them to church, but I'm not going to tell them they can't go. And it's amazing when you don't start telling children at such a young age about fairy tales, about people coming back to life and talking snakes and burning bushes that, that God talks through, they don't grow up believing in bullshit fairy tales. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Isn't that great how that works? You know, if you, because, I mean, I think it was George Carlin that said, if, 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 if the Catholic Church and the Baptist or whoever, if every religion was forced to wait till you were 18 and then try to sell you their religion, you would laugh them out of your fucking house. Oh, there's, there's no fucking way. Low. That's how come they shove that shit in there when you're when you're young because you still fucking believe it. You believe in Santa and the Easter Bunny and you your know, mind is spongy, man. You're moldable. I mean, it's, I think that's one of the. Th I, I joke about it, but I really think that's one of the things that started poking holes in the facade for me was the similarities between God and Santa Claus. Like I started like noticing that. Like, wait, hmm, what's going on here? It's like, in, 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 at least in the Catholic religion, that's pretty much what's, what you're taught. He's all-knowing. He's all-seeing. Really? Does he know when I'm sleeping? Does he know when I'm awake? <laughs> right. Last guy I heard <laughs> that about turned out to be bullshit. <laughs> well, what's amazing to me, though, is that the people in this country that 
do uh, align themselves with uh, with some sort of organized religion and also voted for Trump are still supporting him or ever supported him in the first place. I mean, so some of your beliefs align, but you believe that, I mean, if you believe in God in this country, it seems like you believe that God picks a candidate. I think if you are right? religious and you voted for Trump because you think and, he's religious, you are a fucking idiot. Well, like, not when even has he ever. When has he ever started talking about God before he ever ran for president? Never, never. And then all of a sudden, he slips the G man's name in there once or twice, and he's your fucking candidate. Wow! Like it, to me, that yeah. is amazing because it just out. Hey, I was tempered in the Kool Aid. Like. You should be trained to see that that guy is a fucking fraud. Like, that's just what gets me. It's like, wow, you're, you really think he's religious? Like, wow. It, it, it blows my mind. I think it proves that, that religious people who are Republicans through and through, are, are, they're, just as, they're just like everybody else that, that, that picks a side and goes, this is my side, for better or for worse, no matter what. I mean, I've actually yep. had more religious people in my family post on Facebook about how we've, you know, Trump is a God-fearing man and one of the most Christian presidents we've ever had. And I can't what? even respond. I can't even respond to it because I'm like, if you if you truly believe that, beyond the fact that you are borderline mentally ill with your religious beliefs. You are seriously delusional, and at that point, you need professional help. Wow. I can't. There, nothing I say is going to even crack that that shell that you've that you built around yourself. And this is so different from the world that we grew up in, too. Could we even have another uh, another Baker scandal in this country at this point? Would there no. be? I, or maybe would, no, maybe like Joel Osteen, Joel Osteen, or someone like that. Who, maybe who's, who's Joel Osteen? He's he's the pretty much at this moment he's probably arguably the head televan televangelist um, uh, the, the the Jim Baker of, of okay. today yeah he, uh, he's Pat Roberts in 2017 he's right. just a lot more touchy feely than because Baker came from the Southern Baptist school of you know hellfire and brimstone and they prettied it up a little bit he's he's joel osteen throws in a little kind of new agey bullshit a little bit more touchy-feely so it's it's updated for the you know his his new his new customers because that's that's what it is i mean they're, they're selling is, a product you think this is desperation like the, the the religious people that voted for trump were doing so even understanding that he wasn't uh the most Christ-like candidate that we could have by far. I think I that, think the religious that, people that, that they had no other options and they felt like their way of life was dying anyway. And what did they really have to lose with Trump? I think the religious Ted Cruz should that, have been your man if you like Jesus. I think the people that voted for Trump that are religious are the same people that support Israel because they they know that for the prophecy in their little end of their their book of fairy tales revelation to come true. Uh, Israel play has to play a major part. It's not that they really give a fuck about the Jews. Right, it's that right. they need Israel to be there for their prophecy to come true. And I think they support Donald Trump because, well, well plus, you know, hey, I mean, from a cynical point of view, who's more likely to start a war on a whim and get shit, you know, get get, get the end times popping? Right. Get this. Let's be honest. Let's get this moving you know, already. Yeah. 
Hillary, Hillary. I don't think anyone day. has ever said Hillary is truly a religious person, so I don't think she's worried about the afterlife. Trump's just crazy when it comes to that shit. He's crazy enough to start a war because of a Twitter fucking post. So, I yeah, mean, which one, a, if you're trying to push the end times here, which one do you think is, is more likely to, to bring about, you know, your savior coming back? Well, you know, I don't doubt that there is are those extremists out there with that attitude. But I think more in general, I'm talking about the people who, okay, you know, there's, I'm talking negatively a lot about religion. I'm not obviously religious. I don't have a really good outlook on most organized religions. That doesn't mean that every person that that believes in imaginary things is a horrible person. And some people take those beliefs and do great things with them. So the, there's a lot of people who... Well, they mean well, but maybe just don't have a bigger understanding of the world because they're basing everything off of a 2,000-year-old book. I don't know. I, yeah, I, it, see, I, I mean, my views... Like three or four times? My, oh, views aren't, my views aren't popular on this subject because I, I maintain that if you believe honestly in people coming back from the dead and... The, a man building a boat and putting two of every animal on it, people parting seas, throwing sticks down and becoming snakes. If you truly believe that actually happened, and that's not like it's not like you know a metaphor or it's not a parable, but it is honest to God, word for word, the truth, you are mentally ill. And I know that's not a popular way to look at it, but that's just what I feel. No, well, I think you. I You're think telling you me a human being didn't live to be nine hundred years old. Rich, <laughs> come on. Okay, it does sound like mental illness, but I do believe that people can lie to themselves and still not be categorically mentally ill. So I, I won't go that far with you, Rich, but I I do see where you're coming from. I mean, it just it, take. Okay, we can even take all of the Old Testament out of it. Because this is what a lot of the the, uh, the hardcore Old evangelical born-agains... That's where all the good shit is, man. <clears throat> well, this is what they like to... This is, really at least this is what shit. they pushed in my little... Uh, the cult of the Southern Baptist that, that I was... They tried to force me into as a kid. Uh -huh. That Jesus came and invalidated the Old Testament. The new covenant with God was through Christ. Right. And so the New Testament was the one we got to worry about. New Testament's got a bunch of bullshit in there, too. Sorry, I've never seen someone die, be dead for three days, and rise from the dead. Right. Never seen someone walk on water. It's amazing well, how the invention of the camera and, 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 and how many miracles people claim to see without proof. As the camera was invented, all these claims started going down very quickly because people were like, picks or it didn't happen. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Picks or GTFO? Yes, pretty much. I mean, I, dude, I, I don't. It, it's like I've, we've discussed it on the show. All right, am I an atheist? No, I'm. A, I'm an agnostic. And to put it, put it in in. The terms that, that, that give some of my family hope, I'm a hopeful agnostic. I hope there's something after we die. I hope this isn't all just a bunch of chemical reactions. We're here for a short period of time, and then there's absolutely nothing afterwards. But 
I can't believe that there is, and I can't have faith that there is, because I can't have faith in something as ridiculous mm-hmm. as out of the, what, 2,400 religions in this in this world that somehow my family had picked the right one to teach me? Yeah. I mean, I can't have faith in that. You won the, the eternity lottery. The same blueprint. They have a father figure, a mother figure, right. a son figure. Well, it's all branched. Like, most of these branched off from the same religion. Which yeah. which that religion all took it it didn't branch off from uh, other uh, what do you call multi god religions, but they certainly took a lot of key elements from those stories. You know this what this is what pisses me off the most about religion though. If we're going to vent about this, it, it, okay, everyone's going to have a different interpretation of what's in whatever version of the Bible they follow. Or, or whatever religious text is centered to their religion. And, and that's, that's fine if you're talking nuance. It doesn't even matter to me. But to completely gloss over some of the actually more helpful things that are in, let's say, I mean, if you take the Bible as an example, one of the better things that it does is kind of shows you who to follow, right? Follow Christ because of the example that he leads. And don't follow these rich guys because they're not going to be able to take any of that shit with them into the next life anyway. And at a time where information travel was very low and very slow, having a a common text that everybody can refer to to help identify who's beneficial to your life and who isn't, that's a positive thing that, that, that was needed at that time. That isn't needed anymore, and that's why religion is. That's part of the reason why religion isn't needed anymore, in my opinion. But to not take those core principles, those core elements of it, and apply that to current life, and say maybe Donald Trump isn't the candidate that I should be supporting if I really am to believe that I'm voting based on my religious beliefs. You shouldn't vote based on who you. Uh, you shouldn't. Right. You're right. You shouldn't vote based on your religious beliefs anyway. <laughs> yeah. Like, but that's the bigger. But thing you're not going to stop like, people from doing that. It's just irksome when they they can't even apply their own doctrine to their uh, their choice and vote. It, it's it's just a thing. I, I guess everything that we we've been talking about lately, because before we started recording, Chris and I were both kind of lamenting about how we're pissed off at both sides and how everybody's. It's just about team loyalty. No matter how you slice it, yeah. At some point, we we apparently were all not invited to this meeting. You have to choose a side. This it's, is just outright. There's no longer I can I can't stand here and like hey I like right. I like small government. I like uh, legal marijuana. Hey, you know you're like, either, no, you can't sit there and do that no. anymore. You have to pick a side. Otherwise, if you're not you mad that Kellyanne Conway has her feet on the couch, then you're a Nazi. Yes. Fucking. Just, to the point where they, they're they're eating their own side. They're eating people who are supporting liberal causes, like Bill Maher and Rachel Maddow. They are getting pissed off at them because they don't. Because what? They're not doing enough to take down this guy that enough people voted him in. To I mean, why why are you so mad at your own side over what happened? Rachel Maddow and, and Bill Maher didn't help get Trump elected. They certainly didn't vote for him. And they certainly tried to do everything they could to try and get people to vote for somebody else that nobody really wanted to vote for. Well, because they knew how is, dangerous Trump would be. 
I think where we're at now, as far as you guys are saying that you have to pick a side, yeah, has come from almost twenty years now. Uh, it's about roughly twenty-one, I'd say, since really since Fox News kicked off uh-huh. of politics becoming like a sport or entertainment for people. Right, like people people watch Fox News, MSNBC, CNN, like sports fans watch ESPN Sports Center. Well, okay, you know that's where the culture started, but I think when it kicked off fully is the 2000 election when that was like shit that everybody was watching it. It was like OJ and Michael Jackson's trials all wrapped up into one. And I think that's where you got the most fervent, not only that, you know, you had a, 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 a team that you were loyal to no matter what happened and what was said, but that uh, you would excoriate anybody who strayed from your team. Um, you know, there, there was a time when, when Bernie Sanders wasn't so popular because he said, you know what, I'm just not a Democrat. And mm-hmm. I don't identify with this political yeah. party anymore. I remember him getting fucking crucified because of that. Yeah. And then, you know, 2016, everyone in a blue tie loves him, at least for half a year. But, yeah. Well, well too, I, it, as we've talked about not it, enough. too, I think the same principle that got Trump elected got Obama elected. Because if you really think about it, I mean, Barack Obama was right at the end of the George W. Bush years. And until Donald Trump took office, we, you know, we all remember George Bush was the worst politician ever. He was a demon. You know, he was going to destroy America, blah, 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 blah. So I think that's kind of how you got Barry. Like, is this where we're at now? So we're going to get eight years of Trump and then we're going to get I, the I, complete I, opposite of him? I think this... Flip-flopping back and forth, these eight-year shifts of shifts between conservative and liberal rule in this country might be the best we could ask for. Honestly, it might be well, it might be the way that our system works because that seems to be the way it's been working for decades now. I mean, okay, well, maybe I, the '80s there was a longer streak of conservative rule. I, I think that uh, the well, the flip-flopping, yeah, it, it seems to be the best way to keep keep some sort of balance. Um, because as we've as we've pointed out on this show, a lot of people <clears throat> who voted for Obama at least once, maybe even twice, had to have voted for fucking Trump. Right. Yeah. Not a lot, but you know, a lot. That's the wrong. Okay, wrong qualifier. Some people who voted for Obama once or twice had to have voted for Trump also. So. You know, those are the people who sway elections because there's people that are never going to vote. So you, you just they're a lost cause. There's people that are going to always vote the party line. They're a lost cause. So it's the people like us who are in the middle who you have to convince to vote for your side this this election cycle. And I think what the Democrats have done since 2000, actually since uh, since since their Lord and Savior Ronald Reagan got out of office, has really their thing has been to paint every Republican that runs for president as the worst Republican to ever run for president ever. You know, they did it with, with Bush one. They did it with Dole. They did it with Bush two. I'm God. Did they do it with W? I mean, both times they did it with McCain, you know, Romney. 
And then here comes Trump. Here comes really the worst Republican we've ever seen ever. And you've cried wolf so much. The country was like, eh, it's not really a pervasive or a persuasive argument to me anymore. Yeah. I've been hearing yeah, this stop telling us the, everyone is the devil. Yeah, I've been hearing this. I've been hearing that every Republican is Hitler and the Antichrist and Judas Iscariot all rolled into one for almost 30 years. And they're not. And now... And I'm not putting this at the feet of the Democrats. I'm just saying it's it's because it happens on the Republican side too. Clinton was gonna, you know, Clinton was the worst president ever, and then it was, you know, Obama was the worst president ever. Yeah. You know, Socialist whatever. Obama. Yeah. 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 Exactly. And it, right. You know, so they have their you know they have their scare tactics. They throw to their side, and the Democrats have theirs. But I think the Democrats, when you sit there and you start claiming that you know. Making the claims that they were that they were making about you know Bush and 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 McCain and Romney, and then we get Trump and he's literally doing those things that those guys would have never done. It's like you know that's going to tell you some. And I, I just I don't see how that I don't see how if you're a Democrat and you're a hardcore Democrat that's your that's your team go team go. I don't see how you can go with that from here on out. You have to drop that strategy of someone. Everyone I don't like is Hitler. Everyone I don't like is the you know the worst person in the history of the of the world. Because let's be honest, and God, I hope we really don't in our lifetime see a worse candidate get elected president oh, than Trump. But I mean, I don't even know what that would look like. <laughs> can, can we hope that we're scraped? We Kanye scrape the bottom of the barrel. I'm sorry, Rich. I talked over you. What did you say? I was going to say, I just can we all hope that we've scraped the bottom of the barrel at this point? <laughs> yeah, I hope so. <laughs> I mean, because a worse candidate who gets elected, I mean, Chris, I know you said Kanye, but I mean, it's just I, seriously, I where would they come? Where would they come from? It's going to have to be another person from outside of politics who has no idea how shit works, who's going to make Trump saying, "Wow, healthcare is complicated." Look like who, who, who knew? <laughs> you know, he's, they're going to have to say something so stupid that Trump saying that is like is it, it makes Trump saying that seem like Einstein saying e equals MC squared. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. Gonna, and this goes for me. Prepare this, for your eyes to roll out of your head. But right. I thought of the because it's been mentioned. I thought of the the candidate who probably could beat no. him. That would be from the outside. Oprah, black but, woman. I mean that is that that is the fucking that's that is the anti-Trump right there. I'm not a I'm she's, not outright opposed to that. She's recognizable. She's well spoken. She's educated. But so th this is this extremism though that you're talking about, Rich. It's really part of the the language of the day. I think it's a it's part of the reason why people have tuned out most of what they identify as traditional politician because. Every every new bill introduced is the worst for America ever. Everything is good. Every policy and uh, and budget bill, in somebody's opinion, is going to break this country. Is going to drive us to ruins and remove us as the as a world power. And I mean, if any of that were true, I mean, one of them would have to have come true by now, right? Just play the odds on it. So. When none of this shit actually happens, you just kind of tune it all out. And that's why they believe everything that Donald Trump tells them, because they automatically don't believe everything that 
comes out of the mouths of the so-called traditional politicians. And I mean, I don't know, how can you blame them? Because if I had a girlfriend and every time uh, I fucked her, I started with, I'm going to give you the best orgasm of your life. And then I didn't. She'd be so big. And then I didn't. I mean, I think she'd forgive a couple times. But after like <laughs> nine or ten times and she still hasn't had the best orgasm of her life, she's probably going to be pissed. She's like, I haven't even had the best orgasm this year. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> but that... So, yeah, I mean, people are... are, are the language in, in politics has become so extreme that you can't take anything seriously. There's two sides to every story, no matter what kind of proof you have. And they're both stupid, and, is what I'm starting to feel. And it's all, it's all lumped under the, the tent of politics. So this is all just politics, and this is all bullshit. And that's why, that is the only reason why Trump stands out amongst that crowd, is because he talks in language that is different from how other politics talk. I don't, people say he uses, well, he does have a more limited vocabulary, that's for sure. Uh, but it's not about that he talks like the people that voted for him. He doesn't. He's actually, he's kind of weird. He's got his own cadence. He's, he's definitely got his, his favorite go-to words that aren't really that common. And it's just the fact that he is, clearly not a politician by the way that he talks well, you have what you wanted everybody only three years and ten months left <laughs> so, Jesus it's, it's like a, you sound like you're counting down a prison bid man <laughs> seriously yeah, like, eh, three, three years and ten months man I'm out of here yeah like I don't, the, the most identifiable joke that I've seen on any of the shows that I watch is the, the John Oliver bit that he's got going right now when he talks about the two words that don't sound, you know, President Trump, two words that don't sound, you know, natural together, like right. walrus porn or whatever the fuck he was saying. <laughs> right. Yeah, Like, that's, I, like, I've had that feeling election night, and it's kind of still stayed with me, like, fuck. Like, yeah, that guy's a, like, he's going to be on the posters in school, you know, learn yeah. about him. And, it like, does seem to be. History. Like, I'm just, four months later, my mind's still kind of blown by it. Like, wow. Yeah, but it does seem like this shit is kind of dragging. The guy who fired <laughs> Brett Michaels on The Apprentice is the fucking president. I imagine there's liberals that, like, wake up every day and take, uh, take like, a kitchen knife and carve another notch into the into the wall. <laughs> you know? And the and whole, the whole wall is going to be covered like they did a dream. A, they, the, yeah, the whole wall is going to be covered by the end of his presidency. And then they go hit the weight pile. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Sitting there working out in the yard. Hey, did you see Matt out last night? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but people were really pissed off about Rachel Maddow. I, Could you explain this? This is, okay, this is one of those things... I know who she is. I'm aware of who she is. Mm -hmm. But I don't watch her because she's such a blatant cheerleader for the side. I've, you know what I'm saying? So can you explain what people I've are watched pissed her about? I'm not a loyal Rachel Maddow fan. Um, I'm not against her or anything. Most of, most of what she says makes a lot of sense. And her show is definitely 
opinion based. I mean, I don't know how the network or anybody who watches it categorizes it. It's not news. It is absolutely one hundred percent opinion. Yeah, she's like to me the way from what I've seen, she's a Bill O'Reilly for the left. Yes. Only she doesn't yell. And she Yeah, yeah. That's her well that's if she, she did, just mixes would, a drink at the end. She seems like more of the snarky, sarcastic mm-hmm. cock well, eyebrow. Well you know, he, here's type the thing, like person. she is dogged because once she picks a topic, she doesn't give up on it. And you know, there's there's a lot of things that that she's been on the forefront of that took a lot of time to get traction in this country, like the the um, the shit that w- that has been going on in Michigan, even between the emergency manager fiasco that actually led to the Flint water crisis. Yeah, or the fact that they needed an emergency manager to begin with. Like I keep trying to tell people, Flint well, is a group effort. Like. Okay, no one but, in any color ties to blame for that. They both fucked Flint royally on that one. Well, but uh, the, the whole, sexy headline is that's a whole other Republican story. governor. So, but to get back to Rachel Maddow, you know, she picks a topic and she is not going to give up on it. She's not. She's certainly not going to go with uh, whatever people are talking about. You know, that is not a driver for a show. I don't believe that she combs through Twitter that day and decides. Well, what are what are people really interested in? What should I talk about? No, she has her topic, and she does, you know, she does a show mostly solo. She does interviews occasionally, but uh, it, it's mostly her. Basically, uh, it's it's like spoken essay, <laughs> and it can be a real education because uh, because she does research this stuff so well. But what pissed everybody off? recently is her announcement uh on twitter i think maybe it was like four or five hours before her show was to broadcast that on that that show that evening's show she was going to have trump's tax returns to reveal and obviously a lot of people turned in uh, turned in tuned in and listened to her go on for 25 odd minutes about why the tax returns are important and and you know the history of this or whatever and be totally confused that this wasn't some 3 minute spot on like on CNN where they would give you the the brief overview and here's his tax returns and here's what we found what was bad and now on to the rest of the news so i mean if you're complaining about her style of show then clearly you've never watched the show before you're only watching it because you're looking for something juicy, some big reveal. Now, I mean, could she have tweeted prior to her show, hey, I've got some Trump tax returns, but don't anybody get excited. They're from 2005. They're not complete. And I can't tell you the source that I got them from, so I can't even truly verify that they're actual, that it's actual tax returns. Well, look, she's got a job to do, right? She's got a show to promote. I can't begrudge her that. You you want to shoot every uh, segment that you do in the foot before it broadcasts by telling everybody what, you know the end result in Twitter. It's, it was the fact that people wanted so desperately to believe that she had all the tax returns 
and that we were going to find all this juicy shit in there that we could use to get Trump out of office. And, I mean, there was nothing from from Rachel Maddow or her network or anything to lead anyone to believe any of that shit. It was all all what they wanted to believe. And when she didn't, and when she had what she had, everyone was pissed and called her Geraldo Rivera. Yeah, I was about to say. So, in other words, she she pulled a uh, uh, Al Al Capone's vault type thing. Now, I was. It's funny that you jumped to that comparison, Rich, because a lot of people have been doing that. Yeah, that's the big joke. I was alive during uh, the hype and lead up to the. Al Capone's uh, vault reveal. Oh, I clearly remember watching it live uh, on TV. Yeah, I watched that shit. And Rich, if you remember too, there was months of promotion mm-hmm. in advance of that, and all this hype well, will, about what they this, were going to find time. in there. It was pre-internet, though. You know, you couldn't put the word out a few hours before the show and still reach all millions I'm, of people. All I'm saying is that it's a very poor comparison. Because Rachel Maddow didn't say, I'm going to reveal all of Trump's taxes and this is going to be enough to get him out of office. She just said, I've got some uh, Trump tax returns and we're going to talk about them on my show. That's it. Okay, so she did more of a David Blaine. You knew you were tuning in for something, but in the end, you knew it wasn't going to be something that was going to blow your mind. Well... Because I mean, it's not no, okay. Because Al Capone, I get the, where the comparison is bullshit. Because with that, you were right. It was like fucking three, four months of we could find dead bodies, we could right. find guns, we could find, you know, CIA files. We we don't know we, what we're gonna find. Right. You know, everybody or, was expecting like to find a couple skeletons and fedoras and Tommy guns in their hands and a pile of money in the center. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And then when they opened it up, they found like a, a couple empty bottles and cans of Coke or some shit like that. It was ridiculous. <laughs> right. And so, I mean, I, I, I get where it's bullshit. So to me, it seems like more that she knew she didn't have a smoking gun, but she didn't. And MSNBC mean- probably probably came down from the top. Don't tell them you don't have the smoking gun, but don't say you you have the smoking gun either. Kind of let it linger and let them let them. Let him wonder a little bit. Let's, no, let's, 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 honestly, and uh, I don't want to overstall Rachel Maddow, but I do believe that she is dr- more driven by her principles than possibly anybody else on television. I really do believe that. And this, it, she, if she got her hands on any tax returns at all that she could talk about to use an example or a starting point or to keep the conversation going on what she believes is the most important topic currently, then she's going to do that. I don't know. I mean, maybe she just shouldn't have tweeted it. That's it. Yeah, I just I think there's some... Just I think everyone's beef maybe isn't so much how she and her network promoted it, but I'm telling you, social media got a hold of it because I was getting notifications from like Apple News and the, and the AP, like Rachel Maddow uh, right. unveiled Donald Trump's tax returns tonight. And it you was know? like a game of telephone because yeah. what was said in her original tweet was not necessarily the information that everybody was passing around. They were putting way too many of their hopes in this one episode of Rachel Maddow's show. That this was going to be this moment where the tide finally turns. The 
the the monster is unmasked and we all get to see how horrible he is and he was tied to Russia the whole time. Well, you know what? It just doesn't happen like that. It well, didn't he kind of shit on her too and beat her by a couple hours? Like, oh yeah, I'll put him out first. Yeah, I think there's also the the there's a, definitely a theory out there that the 2005 tax returns were released by the White House just so that they could be revealed and everyone could go, oh, this is nothing. Yeah, he pulled a he pulled a bee rabbit from Eight Mile. He was like, okay, I'm going to get out here and say everything, but you're going to say first and go, okay, now tell these people something they don't know. Right, <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, and I hate to say this, but the the people who were hoping that she was going to, like, have the smoking gun, the, the thing that's going to get him out of office, and were disappointed when she didn't, are doing what I've said for months now. The, the, the reason the left is destined to fuck, to fuck themselves is because... If they don't have an enemy, they turn on themselves and start eating their own. Right. I mean, but, I, we've seen yeah. it with Bill Maher. We're seeing it with Rachel Maddow now. And what was what was her sin? Trying to create, trying trying to put something out there that no one else had done, but it wasn't enough to to start an impeachment process. So, yeah. how dare you? I mean, this is this is this is ass to me. Not even as a Rachel Maddow fan, I'm like, this is asinine for anyone to be upset with her. She did what a, a journalist is supposed to do. I mean, I, I, from everything you're telling me, if it went down like you told me, it doesn't sound like like I said. That's why I said maybe it would come from her producers. Maybe they were like, hey, uh, you know, I'm supposed. You're right. I, I have no idea what happened behind the scenes. Who was told what? But she doesn't strike me as the type of person that's gonna that's gonna give in to hyperbole and like it, and and go for sensationalism. She seems like the type of person if she had to smoke a gun, she'd come out and say it. She wouldn't leave the question hanging in the air. Also, you know, I think most journalists would uh, maybe this maybe these two thousand five tax returns were pushed around a couple places and people were like, eh, "This is nothing," and she looked at it and decided, well, this is certainly not enough, and this is not what I want, and this is not what the people are asking for, but God damn it, it's something, and I can't just not talk about it. I can't talk for months on television about how I want to see Donald Trump's tax returns and not talk about these tax returns that are released, even if that's all that we have. I think most journalists would have just passed on that, and that... And, Maybe maybe it was bait, and she took it, and she's suffering the backlash from that. But let's face it, I don't think that Rachel Maddow lost any viewers, right? Because, again, all these people that were complaining were the same ones that are also live-tweeting about how long it's taking her to get to, to wrap up her, her subject and talk about the tax returns at hand. Because they have, they've obviously never watched her show before. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. It doesn't sound like she's going to lose any hardcore viewers, and it sounds like she, people that tuned in specifically to see this, might have been let down. But if it's just like the people we were talking about who go, I hate the Oscars, I hate the Oscars, yet they're either live tweeting or giving constant, you know, real time updates right. on social media. You're going to watch them either way, no matter how much you hate them. 
Right. So but- she's... So she's gonna, she, you know, ultimately it doesn't sound like she hurt herself. It just sounds like in the court of public opinion for certain people, she committed some sort of, uh, like, I don't know the Catholic term, but like horrible, unforgivable sin. And it's like, I, I, I see, this is, this is, to me, this is stupid. This is, this is what the right kind of did with Clinton when they were trying to tear Clinton down. They kept trying to dig up stuff about, that happened with him before he was in office. And what did they finally catch him on? They finally caught him with something he did while being president. And I think they should have taught this country a lesson. If you were trying to get the impeachment ball rolling for whatever reason, for you have to find something that happened while they were in office. Because everything that happened before can be explained away or covered up or so much doubt casted on it that people are going to give him the benefit of the doubt. I mean, you have to catch him with, with, with once again, the smoking gun. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. That was a flat-out lie. That's what they caught him on, you know. Going back to 2005 to look up his taxes to see if he's a tax dodger, he admitted he's a tax dodger. People still voted for him. Right. I mean, it's this to me. This is beating a dead horse that is is literally dust and bones at this point. There's, I don't see what you know. Why we're, there's people are still so. Oh, his tax returns is going to point to Russia. Is it even? A, is it? Are we? Are we even still debating that Russia wanted him in office more than Clinton at this point? No, I I think the issue is to what degree and and was there collusion? That's. That's the only question here, because the concept of Russia preferring a candidate, they didn't want more of Clinton, period. As a, and they, they hedged their bets on Trump, and they're not exactly satisfied with the results on that either. I think what's crazy, I think that this is actually a possibility, that there is no direct collusion, it's possible there was, it's also possible there wasn't any direct collusion between Trump's campaign and, and anyone from Russia. But if Trump starts pissing off Russia enough, then they can easily make it look like there was and possibly turn popular opinion against Trump the same way that they did for him prior to the election. So even if there wasn't collusion, this Russia thing could still bring him down. And... I hate to say it, but you know, in, in, in an age where your, your bigger wars aren't necessarily going to be fought with tanks and guns, a lot of this is ideas. You know, the war against terrorism is a war of ideas, and the war that I, the we while we don't have a cold war with Russia anymore, we still have a war of ideas with them. There's still a, a base concept of of capitalism versus communism that exists, and it's kind of scary that we are not we're not winning the war on ideas versus against Russia or against ISIS. Okay, real quick, did you see that Chris just said to call him because he's not letting him call out? Oh, no, I didn't. I'm sorry. I was trying to wait for you to like take a breath there that way you could have an, a, a good edit point. Thank you. Huh? What's ringing where? That's bizarre. He just went to a, from online to away on my Skype. Maybe he's rebooting it. Where is it fucking ringing? Oh, I can hear it. I don't know if you can hear that faintly in the background, the Skype ring. No. And I'm like, where the fuck is that coming from? Because I had it turned off, but I could hear it not through my headphones. 
And I realized that his iPad's sitting in front of me, and that that's what's ringing. <laughs> but I, I'm calling the same one. Calling the same one that you're talking to him on. <sighs> he needs to stop relying on his phone. He needs to take the mic and the laptop and hook it up to a landline. I don't know what else to do. I'm going to try and call him again. Can you can you do that? I haven't been to a hotel since internet's been like it is in the last five years. I haven't been to a hotel in 15 years. So uh, can you even do that? Like have a hardwired connection in a hotel? Yeah. Okay. Turn that off. Let's say maybe it's, well, that wouldn't make any sense because why wouldn't he be able to Hello. Talk? Hey. Jesus that's, Christ. That's bizarre. Okay. So I was trying to call you and every time I was calling you, I could hear the Skype ring faintly and i was mm-hmm. like where the fuck is that coming from because i have it all turned off i realized it was coming from your ipad right in front of me ah. so was, so your ipad was picking up or trying to and so i just now turned your ipad off and then ca- tried to call you again the call went right through ah. it was bizarre uh where did i leave off rich <laughs> what was i talking about you were talking about how um democrats were looking for collusion between Oh, Russia yeah, and Trump, yeah. but even though War obviously ideas. Russia wanted Trump in there, they're not exactly happy with the results they're getting necessarily, even though they got their preferred candidate in office. Mm-hmm. Because it's, yeah, a war of ideas. Yes, exactly. Yeah, and that's why I can't, I don't understand this increase in the military to fight ISIS. It makes no sense. I know that Trump was saying that he would listen to his generals. And he certainly, he's listened to some of them on, on topics like torture. Certainly he's actually, uh, in the past, when early on when he was running, he said that torture should be on the table, that you use all options available when you're you know, facing these dire situations of other people's lives in the balance. And I forget which who it was, but uh, there was a general that said, actually, you know, it's not effective and here's why, and here's why we don't use it. And he said, okay, you know, I'll go your way. But I I haven't heard any generals say, we need more tanks to fight ISIS. We need more airplanes to fight ISIS. I do hear generals saying that uh, something closer to this idea of uh, winning the war against uh, ISIS as a war of ideas, the war of concepts. Uh, you know, these people are, that are drawn to extremist views, usually doing so because they really don't have a lot of other options left. It's really the same thing that's going on in Chicago, for example, the gang violence. Not just in Chicago, in cities all over the U.S., certainly, but... There's a reason why people from the middle class don't join gangs because they have other options, that opportunities that are readily available to them or at least seem more within their grasp than they do to people who are grow up poor in inner cities. So how do you win this war of ideas? You build schools in, in the Middle East. You go to these countries, you go to places where ISIS is, and you give them what I don't know, whatever it is that they need—more uh, clean wa- running water or electricity, 
better schools, hospitals, some sort of infrastructure, internet. Jesus, we could stamp out terrorism in this world if we really wanted to. You're never going to eliminate it completely, but we could definitely decrease it dramatically just by spreading Wi-Fi across the world and giving people devices to, to share information with. I mean, at a certain point, it doesn't matter what the imam in, in, your, uh, in your city is telling you about the outside world. You see enough people laughing and smiling and eating ice cream in the U.S., you're going to want a little bit of that. And that's how you win these, uh, these wars against terrorism. Should, people who are arming themselves, who are taking over parts of, of cities and countries, who are committing violent acts against their own people, yes, we do need to do something about that if we want to have a, a good relationship with the world in general. If we're going to go around acting like the world police, well, then we got to be the world police when... When, when shit like this goes down in other countries, I do think that we have a responsibility to, to, to step in. But, the problem but, it, but it's is not that. about sending in a bunch of tanks and, and planes and leveling the place. Well, the problem is, is that we have a tendency, especially now, since the first Gulf War, mm-hmm. we go in, we bring all our toys with us, we declare victory, we leave... And we just leave these fucking weapons of destruction sitting around for anyone to pick up. Right. I mean, we don't bring them home. We just leave them there. And so anybody who has any know-how of how to fix them, how to get them up and running, even if they're not, and that's assuming that they're all not running. It's not like they're. It's not like a tank in front of a VFW where they plug the barrel and they and they make it so it's inoperative. They just leave this shit. And then so all these you know people come in, whether it be from ISIS or some rebel group, and they pick up all these fucking these tanks, these Humvees, these weapons, and they go do with them what they please. And and we keep doing this. And back in the day, it used to be well, we would like okay when the the, the Taliban was fighting Russia in the eighties and seventies, we we funded the Taliban, right. You know, we trained through the CIA. We trained Obama. Anyone that was fighting Russia was on our side. Yep. And so we actually gave them weapons to use against them. We don't do that now because, ooh, we got caught doing that one too many times, made us look like the bad guys. So now we just leave them sitting around. And what they do with them, hey, that's not our problem. I mean, come on. That's, it's. That's such a bullshit way to to look at it. But that's what, I mean, I mean, it's such a bullshit thing to do, but that's what we do. And I mean, at a certain point, we can't claim any type of moral higher high ground or that we're the world police when we're arming people so we can go in and police them. I mean, that's what this is. It'd be like if the cops walked around to every 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 person, you know, running a ground stash in every fucking major city, and was like, "By the way, you know, here's a nine, here's a forty-five, here's a thirty-eight, here's a three eighty. You know, you guys, you know, watch out." And then they come back and bust them later. You, that's, you can't do that. I mean, you can, but you're a piece of shit if you do. And that's what we're doing. We're, giving, we're basically just letting these weapons lay where they, they are. And these people pick them up and use them. And then we go, how dare you do that? And then we want to go right. in there and go to war about it. Well, the- and you're right. Modern war is not going to be fought like Vietnam. It's not going to be fought even like the first Gulf War. Modern war is more drone strikes, intelligence, counterintelligence, 
like you said, a war of ideas, showing them that, hey, life is pretty good when you got a Starbucks and McDonald's on every corner. Yeah. Now, do you really want to fucking sit here and fight over clean water, or would you rather go get a $5 latte? Yeah. You know? I mean, it's it, let's be honest. It's, that's what... Look, I know that people who weren't alive or politically aware, or they maybe they were, but they weren't politically aware at the time, go back and look at a lot of the concerts from the, the mid to late 80s that... Like the uh, all the aid concerts? They're not necessarily. The concerts, the concerts from... The from Western culture that that started, you know, being held in Russia and parts of Germany. Oh, okay. And and you know they're they're like minister of culture or whatever the fuck they call them at that point. It was like, well, we can't have this because, you know, we don't we don't want our kids knowing what comes with this because first the music comes in, the kids like it, and then then like any teenager. If, if you, especially pre-internet days, if you like an artist, you go out, you seek out the CD or the tape or the LP, you read all the liner notes, you want to know who these people and these things are talking you about You want to are. be like them. You exactly. want to dress like them, you want to act like them, and you want to live in a world where you are free to dress and act like them. I mean, there was an argument made that the concert, I can't remember the name of the concert, but the concert that had Metallica, Pantera, and uh -huh. a few other heavy metal acts over in Russia did more to really in for that generation who went to that concert, which was fucking huge. It was they made it like a Wembley Stadium concert look like it was, you know, a drop in the bucket. Yeah. Did more to sour that generation on their parents style communism mm -hmm. than anything the US had done during the entire span of the Cold War. Right. And that's that's why I think the things that some of the things that Trump is doing is so dangerous when we talk about well we had this week revealed the second attempt at the non-muslim muslim ban and while this was a a watered down version of the first the the first ban and and not ultimately at what trump wanted he and his team believe that they crafted this thing well enough to be impervious to what took down the first ban, and that was the concept that we do not judge people in this country based on their religion. That is one of the core concepts of our country. And now the, the fact that uh, th this one got suspended by the, uh, the judge in Hawaii, I forget his name, using the disregarding some of the language in there and saying it, it matters not really what, what is said here, but also... Uh, what is said by the president who had a hand in drafting this language and the fact that he has said openly that he would like to ban Muslims from this country is telling to the true intent of this document. And that makes sense. You know, if you're up for murder, a murder charge on your neighbor and a couple weeks earlier before it happened, everybody in the neighborhood saying, I'm going to fucking kill you, bitch. Well, that's evidence that's going to be introduced in court and used to convict you. So you, you, his words matter just as much as the document at this point. But he's just the fact that he is talking about banning Muslims from this country is not only uh, against, it's not only the exact 
opposite of what he should be doing to try and win a war against terrorism, it is actually giving fuel to ISIS. It allows ISIS to say to the people that live in their countries that they are they are occupying or occupying or or existing within to say, look, all this stuff that we've told you is true. All this war against uh, uh, you know us versus the West, Islam versus Christianity. They haven't all admitted it up till now. This one finally has admitted it. They are against Muslims and against you personally because you are a Muslim. So whose side are you going to fight for? Yeah, but there's something that I think that Trump and his crew, and I don't, I got I, I, I to gotta hope there's someone down the line in his little posse that he fucking rolls with mm-hmm. that, that, that has to know this. Somebody in the deep state? Yes. Is that even if we fucking ban, Liberal mole. we ban all Muslims from entering the country, and we do it successfully. Even if we do that, you don't need to have people come in from out of country to radicalize people who would be willing to commit right. acts of terror. You can do it through internet. You can do it through literature. You can do it right here. It happens. All these look at all these attacks. The the the, the Pulse nightclub attack. Yes. The, the the Fort Hood attack. These people pledged allegiance to ISIS. After the incident, mind you, and we've seen no evidence of any of the domestic terrorism cases that have come up in the last decade have any direct ties to any outside influence other than just information. Exactly. And if you really want to go back, look at the Oklahoma City bombing. Right. I mean, we don't even, you don't even need for a terrorist attack to happen all you need is someone who is so disenfranchised and pissed off that they don't care anymore about taking lives. That's all you need. And then you just give them the excuse to do it. It's, it's, it's all you got to do. I mean, this is, to me, when people talk about terrorists, oh, well, if it wasn't, if they weren't radicalized, they would have never done this. Okay, maybe, but if you're if you're to the point where killing is on the table, to are walking into a place heavily armed and opening fire nonchalantly, spraying the entire place is on the table. It really doesn't matter what ideal gets hold of you. Eventually, you'll you'll do it anyways. You're just, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't think the people that, that blow themselves up and commit acts of terror do it because necessarily they're terrorists. They do it because they're fucking sick in the head in the first place. And that's that to them. That's well, okay. I don't care how much that was promised to me in the afterlife. I ain't blowing myself up for no fucking well, the, buddy. I, I, there's a difference though there, you know, there's the domestic self radicalized terrorist who is definitely mentally unstable has some crazy ideas and is going to ultimately probably be a violent person regardless. Even if we lived in a world where religion never existed, this person would still find a reason to blow themselves and other people up. Exactly. Right? Most serial killers but, don't do it because of religion. Right. But they'll. But a lot of these people will apply whatever logic they can to it. And, you know, if, 
if aligning themselves with a cause, uh, if they if they align themselves with a the cause, and they have that much more you know, power to convince themselves and hopefully others that what they what they want to do is ultimately the right thing. But there, there's definitely when you talk about uh, a lot of the times uh, people who are uh, who blow themselves up, suicide bombers in the Middle East. These are younger guys. These are sometimes even women that are indoctr- indoctrinated into in, uh, into this uh, the society and these religious beliefs, and it's almost like a form of mind control. I don't. I, I think you're definitely talking about a different type of person that grows up in the Middle East and blows themselves up in their own country because they are rad- radicalized by by ISIS compared to the psycho in America who just yells Allah Akbar for the fuck of it before he commits whatever violent act he's going to. Yeah, but it also goes back to what we were talking about earlier with religious indoctrination mm-hmm. and doing it when you're young. If you grow up in a country right. where you are constantly, I mean, okay, let's be honest here. If you are a 25-year-old male in the Middle East, You've yeah. grown up never knowing anything but conflict. Constantly, even if you even if you grow up solidly in the middle class in the Middle East, conflicts right. all around you. Yes. And if you grow up poor in that situation, it's a lot easier. And you grow up being having this religious dogma and bullshit shoved in your head. It's a lot easier for people to go to you at twenty five and go, "Hey, life is shit for you right here." But guess what? In the afterlife, it's going to be great if you sacrifice yourself for Allah. What have you right. got to lose? Well, yeah, I think, to me, I, I break this down even more. It's about growing up in chaos and somebody offering you a solution to take some control over what the fuck is going on in your world. Exactly. And, and again, this is the same thing that's going on in the cities in the U.S. It's you, kids who grow up in Chicago and Detroit and L.A., and their whole lives are fucking chaos. Their dad might be in jail. Their mom might be sucking dick to pay rent. You know, they're eating peanut butter and sandwiches every day. And their life sucks. And their home life and the world outside of them is chaos. And it seems like damn near everybody is against them. And along comes somebody with a gun with the serial numbers filed off that says, you can be part of a family that'll look out for you. You don't need to do this bullshit. That's the same thing that happens in the Middle East. You've grown up in chaos, and I'm here to tell you, you can take control and make a difference in your world. Strap this to your chest and go out into the market. Yeah, and if you, especially if you've sold them a bill of goods about an afterlife. Yes. Right there, there's half, there's half the battle. And then, you, then all you have to say is, and if you do this, you will be a martyr for the cause, and we'll take care of your family, and your name will will ring out, and you know, and blah blah blah, and just promise them anything because once they blow themselves up, your your obligation to them is done. You you can promise in the world once they're dead, or before they're dead. Once they're dead, you don't have to deliver on anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's it, to when when I when when people talk about terrorism and, and stuff, and I just go. You know, like what you said, if you have no hope and you grow up in a situation where you're just surrounded by chaos and like you said, joining that type of group gives you some semblance of control. It's just like I tried to explain to people when when 
when usually from the right, I would hear this, but I'd hear people who are moderates and from the left when we had the the riots uh, surrounding police brutality right. in predominantly black neighborhoods in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. They go, why are they tearing up their own neighborhoods? And I tried to explain to them, look, when you're a prisoner, I mean, literally, when you're a prisoner, when you are in prison right. and you are being shit on, not only by the guards and the, uh, and, and, and the legal system, but other inmates to where you can trust nobody. Nobody is your friend. You can never let your guard down. That wears on you, and that wears on your psyche. And eventually, when you snap, you can't, if, if you're in a cell by yourself, who can you take it out on? Right. If you're not going to self-harm, what are you going to do? You're going to destroy your own shit. It's like being so getting so angry... I'm sure you've seen this when when you were a kid. Maybe you've even seen it as as an adult and having kids. You know, I I remember clearly like kids that were really bullied and picked on. I mean, like mercilessly, not the normal shit that most of us went through. I mean, just like rode in and out. Yeah, they would get so frustrated they'd just sit there and then they would hit themselves. And I'm like, what the fuck is that? You know what I'm saying? As I got older, I understood. I'm like, that kid's so frustrated, and for whatever reason, he won't stand up to these bullies. Because he either he he knows he can't beat their ass or he feels he can't beat their ass, but he's taken out that frustration and anger the only way he can. I mean, I've right. I've seen it. I've literally seen kids get so frustrated they they hit themselves in the head. It's the same thing. It's this. It's I mean, it's not exactly the same thing, but it's born in the same place. Is what I'm getting at. Yeah, and plus this is also trying to. When you talk about mob mentality, that's not something that you can analyze on an individual basis. But right there, mob mentality tells you you're not going to get it on a case by case basis. Right, and it's not like we're hey, we're all mad. Let's get organized and meet up at the Walmart. Hey, let, <laughs> everybody, head for the suburbs and find a house to burn down. That's not how this shit works. People would go, "I'm not fucking doing that. I'm mad, but I ain't fucking crazy." Go out there and get shot, first of all. But when you all get together... The suburbs have way more police than the city. They'll be there in like 30 seconds. But when you get all these people together in one place, and you see, okay, well, that guy's expressing his anger. That kind of signals me to express my anger. That then makes that guy one-up me by picking up the trash can and throwing it through the window. So then... I feel okay that I can set this cop car on fire. I mean, I know that when, you, when I say it like this, it makes no sense. Like, nobody thinks like that. On an individual basis, right. But If, anybody, but, if you've ever been in the middle of a brawl, I'm talking all-out brawl. Like right. Let's say there's 20 people and they're all, everybody's fighting everybody. It's weird because you could get hit at any moment, but you also have a sense of protection to where anything you do is in that moment, in that moment only. So if you're fighting, if, if there's, I mean, it's never 10 on 10, but let's just say for the sake of argument it is. You're fighting 10 people versus another 10 people, and one of the 10 people you're fighting goes down. You go over and start fucking curb stomping on the guy. You don't stop to think, oh, my God, I could, I could literally crush this guy's fucking head. I could kill him. I could end up in prison the rest of my life. You're so in the moment you feel like you're protected. I don't know. And but, but also, I, but your, your actions are directly justified by the people around you your peers 
Oh, definitely. Right? Because the, oh, on a yeah. one-on-one situation, you might get in a fight, knock a guy down, and go, okay, I hope he learned his lesson. Or maybe you get knocked down and you learn your lesson. And you move on unless somebody's got some serious problems going on. Nobody's going to get totally stomped. But, yeah, when you're... <laughs> all it really takes is for one person in in a mob to start shit. And that gives the justification for anybody else in that mob to act accordingly. You know, this is something I really hope in our lifetimes, the stigma of what I'm about to say is, is either lessened to the point where the people who oppose what I'm about to say are just like, whatever, we don't listen to them or it just goes away completely. But I think a lot of these issues that we're talking about, whether it be, like we're talking about the mob mentality and what leads up to it here as far as riots. We're talking about what leads up to someone becoming radicalized or, or people being you know, born in other countries and being radicalized there. A lot of this could be helped if we would just stop thinking that trying to understand where people who we disagree with are coming from is giving in to them is a sign of weakness. Because it seems like it went from, we don't negotiate with terrorists, to we don't even care about what the fuck is going through their head. We just kill them all. That doesn't work, man. It's like roaches. You kill one, there's 20 you don't see in the walls. All right? We can't kill everybody. And on top of that, indiscriminately bombing people, whether it be with drones or whether it be with planes with human pilots in it, is just going to make more terrorists. I mean, it's... it's it, it's the same way. If you police if you police neighborhoods here in the U.S., like they're war zones, don't be surprised when the people you're policing start acting like they're in a war. Yeah. So we can't we can't go over there and just carpet bomb a fucking neighborhood because we're trying to get one terrorist kill fifty fucking civilians because all those fifty civilians have families and guess what? Even if only a quarter of them are now radicalized and pissed off enough to, to be an active terrorist. We just created them. We're, we're defeating our own purpose here right. to get one guy. We just created what, you know, 10, 15, whatever. And yeah, like, why we, why we don't spend more time trying to understand the mindset that creates these people. It seems to me the only reason is because this bullshit John Wayne tough guy American shit that we don't negotiate with those those engines or those krauts or those or those zipperheads japs or whatever the fuck, and that's that's never that's never won us anything. We haven't won shit right. really since World War Two. Right, well, and we, World War Two was the last war we had to win. We we have this pull yourself up from the bootstraps attitude that has seemed to morph into you're not even responsible to tug on anybody else's bootstraps they're they should be pulling themselves up by their own bootstraps and if they're not that's their own fucking fault yeah and, i saw i, I saw and, a picture someone had, had put a caption of jesus and it was a picture of jesus with a homeless person uh-huh. and they said i'm sorry but the republican party says you need to try harder <laughs> right and okay i i ideally you're right you know, if the, if it was a it was a level playing field for everyone, we all had the same chance, and some of us chose to, you know, play all summer long instead of store up food like the ants did. Then, yeah, the grasshopper deserves to die in the winter time, right? But the grasshopper still has to live in your neighborhood, 
And the grasshopper is going to find a way to live regardless. And if the only option is left is stealing the food from the ants, well, then that's what the grasshopper is going to do to survive. So this, it's the idea that Trump's response to the violence in Chicago is to send in federal police force and then, with his budget plan, cut a lot of what they refer to as entitlement programs. And then with his health care plan, put a higher burden of health care on poor people. Well... Congratulations! You've just uh, that you're on your first step to making the murder rate in in Chicago skyrocket, and every other inner city across this nation. And it's not about well, why can't these people just see that they do have opportunities in this country and pursue them? It's about whether they're going to see it or not. It is within your bent, best interest and everybody else in this country's best interest that we at least make an attempt to invest in our people and to understand that, you know, this might be, still be the, while, while the, the numbers for, um, uh, what do you call it, for, uh, for uh, upward mobility in this country aren't as strong as they were in the past, but it's still one of the best damn places to come and, and have a, a good shot at being successful. But just because somebody, for whatever reason, is incapable of climbing that ladder, of taking advantage of what this country has to offer, maybe they're ignorant, maybe, they're, maybe there's other factors that are keeping them down, that doesn't mean that you leave them behind. Because they're, they're not going away, and they're not just going to sulk off and die peacefully with you never hearing about them again. They're going to continue living in squalor. They're going to raise generations of people living in squalor that are going to be either costing you more tax dollars in the end because you have to pay to keep these people in prison, to run them through the judicial system, to be on uh, welfare and, and other programs. It, it just doesn't make sense because it's like, it's like having a starving person in your own home. It just wouldn't happen, right? And I don't care how cold-hearted you are, everybody in your house is getting fed. Yeah. And, and, I mean, and it's nice to say, hey, we could just kick them out of the house. But guess what? We don't have that option. If they're natural-born citizens, we can't send them anywhere else. We have to deal with these people. So there's no just, well, if they're not uh, conforming with the way the rest of us do, we just uh, kick them out, and then we don't have to deal with them anymore. I, I think what we really need to do is we really need to have a gut check in this country, and we need to maybe accept that there's a large portion, larger than we'd like to admit, of, of this country that has no problem with the prison industrial complex and the cycle that, that, that for people at the bottom that keeps that, the, the, the gears of that machine greased. You right. know, you talk about because the they have a lack of compassion. Exactly. It's the right, same but way. It, but we it's have an, no, I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, but it's not about compassion in my mind. I mean, yes, you, you should do it because you have compassion. But ultimately, if you just look at the numbers on it, why fund Planned Parenthood? Because, uh, the, like we were talking earlier on this show, the less people that have kids when they don't intend to, the better off they are in life, the more taxes they pay, the more they contribute to society. It's all an investment. It's not about compassion. I don't care whether you think 
it's right or wrong what these people are doing or how they live their lives or whether you feel bad for them or not. It's a fucking investment. It's a math problem. Right. But I, it's, it's like it, what I'm saying is the ugly truth is we have so many people here in this country who have no problem with their tax dollars mm-hmm. and will ultimately go, I'd rather my tax dollars go towards more instruments of war, more ways to kill people in other countries Keep than to safer. help the poor people right. in our country. But that's the way, okay, but let's be honest here. That's prettying it up. That's putting, that's putting a window treatment on a fucking, on, on a window that has nothing there to keep us safe. Let's be honest. We're right. fucking safe. Okay. Right. There's, 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 a, there's a reason we don't go, I mean, there's a reason we don't go pick wars with people who actually have a, a puncher's chance of kicking our ass, a.k.a. China and Russia. You know, we don't go fuck with them like we do with these fucking other countries because we know eh, just because we got the largest military in the world, eh, they, still have, they, still have a, they still have a fighter's chance of kicking our ass. So we go fuck with these smaller countries, and that's okay because we go, well, we're going to fight them over there instead of here. And, I mean, don't even bother with all the ulterior motives. That all these wars that we're fighting, these people just so happen to be sitting on black gold. Let's, you know, let's just forget that for a second. But the fact that there's so many people in this country that go, I have no problem with that. Go bomb the fuck out of them. But, God damn it, if one cent of my fucking tax money goes to helping people on welfare, then welfare queens, which is a complete... It, go go! I'm not. I'm not going to do your fucking research for you. Google the welfare queen fucking myth that Reagan threw out there because it was complete bullshit, and people right. have bought into it for fucking almost forty years now. It's, it's nonsense. All right, but you want to talk? I mean, the military and prison industrial complex, two of the biggest welfare queens. Yeah, exactly. Right up there with right up there with with uh, farm subsidies to grow corn, so we can have more uh, high fructose corn syrup and right. everything. Right, everything's got to be about fucking jobs. If people can't build tanks and grow corn and dig coal out of the ground, then what the fuck are they going to do in this country? Let me ask you a question, guys, because this is something that's been, the more and more documentaries I watch about the standard of living in the world, Mm -hmm. the more and more I'm, I'm starting to ask myself, would it be, in my mind, would it be okay if we weren't the world power but it meant our standard of living goes up, a.k.a. like other countries in Europe. Interesting. I, I, would I like that as a concept. I but, mean, because why do we need to be the world police? Why do we need to be the HNIC standing on top of the hill? But our standard of living doesn't reflect that. Mm-hmm. We're not, no, I mean, I know it's a meme that went around from the, that show, The Newsroom, that was on HBO a couple seasons ago. But it's the truth, and the stats still hold up from five, six years ago. The only thing we're number one in it is incarceration per capita and amount of people per capita that believe in angels. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> we're not number one in education. We're not number one in in internet speed, we're not number one in uh, life expectancy. We're not number one in in, in uh, uh, science and technology. Mm-hmm. None of that. Right. Okay, we're not even. We're not even. Well, I think you're going to. We're see not that. even the the cultural fucking bulldozer that we used to be when it comes to pop culture in other countries, because other countries have learned to develop their own pop culture instead of importing ours. So we can't even say we're influencing the world like we used to when it comes to that. Mm-hmm. The, our, the, our version of America's Got Talent, not America's Got Talent, our version of uh, uh, The Voice or whatever, or or uh, what, was, what was that one show that fucking started it all? 
uh, American Idol. They have Iranian Idol and, you know, French Idol, whatever. You know, they got their own versions of it. They don't import our shit anymore. I mean, look at Bollywood. Bollywood should tell you right there that there is an entire film industry that we ignore and they do fine on their own. Right. I mean, so we can't even say we're winning the war with our culture like we did in the 50s, 60s, 70s. We're not even number one in that. So I, what is the point of hanging on to, the, to, the, to the, the big fish if ultimately you die and, you know, the, the, the fish in your pond are living compared to other, to other fish in other ponds, not, not, as, not as well of a life and they're not as well off. Well, you know, if we continue on this current path, then I think we're going to see the answer to your query. And I'm not even saying this current path being the election of Trump, because, well, let's take uh, global trade for an example. Trump heavily against the, the TPP, worst program, or worst uh, trade deal for America ever, which is what he said about NAFTA, too. So I don't know what's worse, actually. So, I was going to say, yeah, right. he forgot NAFTA there for a second. Right. So, so America's not going to be involved in the in the uh, the Trans Pacific, uh, whatever it's called, the TPP, Trans Pacific <laughs> yeah. Partnership. Right. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So you're just going to let China and Brazil decide all this shit? That's who you want directing most of the trade in the in the world, it, and it's. It's not like Hillary Clinton was for the TPP either. I think she gave it a little bit of lip service during the election. Definitely wasn't one of her platform issues. And I'm not so sure that it would have went all that better with Hillary in office. Didn't she like it and then didn't like it? Like, was she supporting it? And then at the last second went, uh, maybe not. Yeah, I mean, well, there, there you go. How could you really know? I mean, maybe she would have ended up staying, uh, getting on board or staying on board with the, the program. Uh, she certainly had a better chance of doing that than Trump, who uh, that was one of the things that he ran on, was the fact that TPP, just like NAFTA, is bad for American jobs. So, yeah, this, this idea that... Uh, that we can continue to, in this globalized economy, continue to dominate by doing the same things that we did for the last 50 years is what's going to knock us out of our, our, our prominent position in, wor in world trade. And when that happens, everything else pretty much goes with it. Well, it's also the fact that, okay, if you look at some, if you look at, like the automakers, for example, if you look at Ford and GM, yeah, but Trump was just here talking, and you can't country. even, you really can't even say Chrysler because Chrysler's, as far as I know, still owned by Daimler, which is a German company. But Chrysler likes to put on airs that they're still the American, you know, or an American automaker. Thought, no, Daimler sold them off. They, Did they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that part well, was over. Although they must uh, have owned. They must still own Detroit Diesel then, because my buddy who works for Detroit Diesel still gets a paycheck from Daimler. So. Oh, okay. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they just segmented it in a way that made it seem like there was less association. But Okay, if you look at that, in a global economy, borders of countries cease to exist except for tax laws 
and right. tax to and tariffs. Right. And if Ford and GM thought that they could increase their profits and still stay as strong and still keep as strong as sales as they do in this country because, you know, they sell that we're an American product to us mm-hmm. and move their headquarters to another country with, that, that has more favorable tax laws and more lenient laws as far as emissions and shit. They do it in a heartbeat. But that's the only that's the only reason they probably don't is because, and I, I mean, this is wild speculation on my part, is because they couldn't still pump that, you know, we're an American company, we're an American company. And if you look around the world, Ford and GM, they're not even the number one fucking auto company around the world. Right. It's like Fiat, I mean, isn't it? <laughs> it's like yeah, something that so, people don't even drive here. Exactly. That's, like nobody, nobody uses a Nokia, but they still sell billions of phones each year. Nobody uses one in the U.S., though. <laughs> exactly. People tend to forget, people in America especially tend to forget, as, as much as... People go, oh well, you know, we're not an isolated country. We really fucking are. And you know what happens in our country? We tend to think happens all over the world, and it really doesn't. I mean, it's all of my friends who've traveled the world all come back and say the same thing: you don't realize how small-minded Americans are. And we're not talking about like as far as political stuff or you know progressive versus conservative right. we're talking about just as in how they see the world right and a lot of it is because of our land mass we're locked on both sides by oceans we have mexico to the south of us which is we we paint as people trying to get over here because they want to be us and we have canada which is in a lot of americans opinion america light up north right so we don't really have a diverse amount of culture surrounding us as far as you know we can drive for five hours and end up in another country that's completely different from ours and speaks a completely different language and they don't even speak our language you know what i'm saying and so people tend to forget that here and as much as it irks me because for, for until recently until i started doing the research i was like you know what fuck all these fucking global trade you know partnerships and all this shit because all it does is fuck us bottom line is they're not going anywhere the corporations want them they're profit driven and they're going to go where the money is and if we don't play that game eventually they're just going to go look we're going to give you one last chance to play this game and if we tell them to fuck themselves they're going to wash their hands of us and they're going to move the fuck on right because when when i worked retail i used to say fuck amazon this is bullshit I'm, t- I'm a salesperson trying to make a living, and they got this app where people are coming in, scanning barcodes, and buying this shit online. Amazon's going to ruin the way that we shop in this country. Well, you know what? I buy shit through Amazon now, because what the fuck are you going to do? Mm-hmm. I mean, that is, that is the future. I- and, and just as me buying shit and having it shipped to me on Amazon that I would normally go out and, and procure from like Best Buy or, or some other store... Uh, that's just like that, that's the decision that everybody has as to what car do I want to buy? Do I want to buy a Ford or do I want to buy a Honda? You know, you're going to have these options, and and this idea that Trump is good for the the auto uh, industry because he said recently when he yesterday when he was in Detroit that he was going to uh, get rid of the um, 
oh, what's the term for it? Basically, the, the fuel economy standards. Yeah, he's going to lower them. The, the emission standards. He's, well, he's going... He's not going to lower them. That would actually. He's going to uh, get rid of them, or at least raise them, so that they don't have such a, you know, a, I guess a low standard. That doesn't sound right. That's um, what I'm saying. I thought he was but, lowering the standards so you could have more emissions output. I think we're just we're talking a difference of definition. Here. Yeah, <laughs> I think no, we're talking think about we're the same thing. We but are. Yes. Right. Uh, now. The story that I heard on NPR today from, jeez, uh, uh, some woman who, that was basically her job, was she studied what do people want, you know, what is, she followed the auto industry and, and uh, did studies in, uh, like, uh, what consumers are asking for when it comes to any automobile. And while certainly bigger trucks suvs are popular right now and that's mostly due to gas prices being subsidized by the government and kept artificially low it still mattered what the fuel economy was on the vehicle she said that was the number one issue for consumers the one that most everybody can agree on is they're going to look at what's the fuel economy that is going to be a big driving uh, driving factor for their purchase so how does that help Detroit sell more cars when they no longer have to have them compete on the same uh, fuel economy standards that are being done by Toyota and Honda? Not a, not because that uh, China has a um, a policy say, well, you you have to have the you know this kind of fuel economy. They don't have limits on it. Honda and Toyota started doing that decades ago because they realized that gas prices were going to do nothing but continue to go up and the sales of large cars in comparison would go down. And they got ahead of the big three and started making more fuel-efficient vehicles. And that's how, the, the, that's how Detroit started losing traction in their industry in the first place. And this is going to be good for, for, the, uh, for the automakers Lifting this this cap on the on fuel economy, no. At the I I believe that it's going to make no difference actually. That if they do start making cars that are uh, consuming more fuel per gallon, they're just going to sell less of those cars. And even if they're able to make a bigger profit off of those cars because they don't have to put whatever technology they have to do to make them more efficient. Which you know, all this design and extra parts and everything adds up, and will be a more expensive vehicle to make. So when you take that cost out of it, yeah, you know, over the course of millions of cars produced, that's a big number. But weigh that against how many cars you're, sales you're going to lose to your competition overseas. Are you still making more of a profit at the end of the day? Who knows? I say probably not. Because that's not what the consumers want. Yeah, they want a big car, but there's a reason why you don't see a lot of Hummers on the road. There's also the, uh, I was listening to another podcast and they were talking about it. And I would say this podcast tends to lead toward the conservative side. So I was actually shocked that they said this. They, they, they were talking about how as the prices for fuel fluctuate, Americans, you know, if it, like, okay, when, when, when fuel got to the point where, it was just ridiculously high. The demand for 
more fuel efficient cars, you know, you start hearing that from Americans. Right. And then when it came back down, they went right back to their, you know, SUVs and yes. big ass pickup trucks were Absolutely. selling. And it's very, cons- I don't, I'm not going to say very conservative, but, but conservative leaning podcast said, that's the short sightedness of Americans. That's, that's them looking five feet in front of them instead of 50 yards in front of them. Yeah. They're not thinking about, okay, 20 years ago, a gallon of gas was a buck and some change. Right. 10 years ago, it was three bucks, four bucks, whatever. This and then now it's like two twenty five. Do they not think it can? It's it's going to go back up eventually, right? But it makes me laugh because this is from the people who brought us war for oil. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, <laughs> not, not, I know. You know, talk about short sightedness. Like, yeah, there's a finite supply of this shit, and let's look at other options that are cheaper. Well, it's, it, and you said it right. The, you know, the, the Japanese automakers they saw in the seventies with the fuel crisis, the writing on the wall. And that's when they really started. I mean, they were always more efficient mileage-wise than American cars were, but they saw the writing on the wall, and they started pushing the boundaries of fuel efficiency way more than Detroit did. But I think that was driven by, you know, overseas you have not only China, but uh, European countries who are already making smaller cars because they just have smaller streets. They don't have all this space. On top of that, you don't... They don't have wide, luxurious lanes. <laughs> Excuse me. On top of that, when you have... Sm- I mean, unless you've ever been to Europe or in, in, in you're really, you really paid attention in, in geography, a lot of people don't understand how fucking tiny these countries in Europe are. Where you can start at 8 in the morning, and by the time you call it a night at 10 o'clock at night, drove through three countries... Because we're just so it's just such a foreign idea to us, right. you know. We 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 have California and Texas where you could start at eight in the morning and still not be out of this, the state by the time ten o'clock at night rolls yeah. around. Um, but when you have that, and then these countries are so small, but they also have such good public transportation, you're competing right. with that, right? And so owning a car doesn't become a necessity it becomes a luxury because now you have to have insurance and now you have to have a place to park it and now you got to put gas in it and man it's just easier to take the fucking l or take the subway or Mm -hmm. take the bus or the train whatever we don't have that and i mean it's not by accident that in detroit the motor city Public transportation is the, is probably the worst in any densely populated part of this country. Yeah. That's not by accident. That's because how the fuck could we justify ourselves being the cradle of the big, the quote unquote big three, if we had public transportation to the point where cars were optional? Yeah, I mean it's sure. just it's that, short sightedness on our part. Yeah, and I I gotta tell you, I fucking hate driving. I mean, I I don't mind the the act itself is fine, but the commute, man. It, I wish that I could move to a city where I could just take pu- public transportation and it not be weird or inconvenient for my life. And I've already said well, that I'm, I'm I'm has looking, a very good public transportation yeah, system. Goes out what, to the suburbs. That's what I'm talking cheap, about. Goes everywhere. I mean, no, what I can't. Would you fucking, rather do? What you're just saying though, or would you? Would you rather not have the commute? Or I just did 800 miles in four days. <laughs> That's not a picnic. 
Um, I'd, I'd, maybe, I'd maybe do a toss-up between that and the New York commute. Because by the end of one drive yesterday, I felt like Alex at the end of, in Clockwork Orange when he had his eyes fucking <laughs> held open. Right. Um, like a five-hour drive yesterday morning. <laughs> so, so you're asking, would I rather have uh, a commute on the freeway in my car, pissed off at other drivers, or would I rather have... Well, you know, if, like you said, if I lived in New York City, I might have to take two trains to get to work, and it could take me forty-five more minutes. Is that what you're saying? Is that what you're asking me? Or cr- just a crazy long? Like, well, I just ask, what's the lesser of two evils to you? Like you say, like that. Would you rather have a crazy, stupid commute or just a crazy long commute with no? I'm not phrasing this right. No, no other drivers. <laughs> Yeah, would you rather have a super congested commute or a super long commute I tell with you, no other drivers? No, like, hey, I'm no stranger to the bus. As much as they suck around here, there's been times in my life, some of them more recently than I'd like to admit, where I've had to rely on them. And sure, you know, in the wintertime, it's definitely going to suck no matter what. <laughs> but on a summer's day and you know i've got a book and my headphones i mean the difference between a half hour and an hour and a half that extra hour actually goes by pretty quickly and there's no time in that span where i am like just angry at other people because i mean it's like every day on the fucking freeway because i'm not tailgating the guy in front of me I have to have a truck ride my ass, and then not only, when he finally finds an opening to go around me, he has to do it super aggressively where he's getting too close to my car. What Dude, the you f- need to chill, man. Fuck. Like, driving in New York for two years cured me of road rage, because at some point, you just realize, I'm hurting myself. No. I'm driving my blood pressure up. I'm no. going to accomplish nothing. Like... I, I you sound way too keyed up, man. I'm not. No, no, no. I, in the moment, I'm just rolling my eyes. But as a cumulative experience, it is a wearing thing having to uh, commute through rush hour traffic to and from work. I'm not. I'm. You know, these things bother me. But I'm not the guy shaking his fist out the window and screaming at other drivers either. I've, I've been there. I think everybody's been there who's been on the road. You see stupid shit go down. Oh, yeah? I'm no angel. I had some crazy chicken fucking Rhode Island yell at me once. Like, yeah. pulled up at a stop sign next to me. Just started yelling at me. I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you? I what yelled, did I do? I actually... I stopped at a stop sign. <laughs> I yelled at a pedestrian today. <laughs> oh, come on, man. No, hear me or, out on this can one. Can I speculate? As to the color of this pedestrian? No, because I mean, you can slower than the normal pedestrian. No, you you can, but it was just a white guy. This is not a this is not a racial thing. But this is something that that goes on all the time now. People who I, I can understand not crossing at a crosswalk. Everybody's done that. And sometimes it's a busier street. And sometimes you got to do that kind of awkward thing where you're standing in the middle of the fucking road. Hoping that nobody needs to make a left turn, <laughs> and that's that's all fine and good as long as you're not being stupid. But when people cross, maybe twenty, thirty feet from the crosswalk, right? I'm sitting at a light. It's only about six cars deep. 
I'm in the middle of the pack. The light changes, and all of a sudden, here's this guy who's coming across the street and wants to cut in front of my car and the car next to me real quick. In between us. So, like, literally two, three cars in front of me, there's a fucking crosswalk that he just could walk over to and cross safely. You would not make it in New York, dude. <laughs> like, that happened all the fucking time. Like, it is... Yeah, you know, I know, ooh, I'm flying my New York driving skills out, but I mean, like, that, that dude. Like, right. okay. I told you, my irrational fear, fear but, in New York was someone was just going to come out of nowhere and I was going to fucking kill him. Or they were on foot. But the traffic, the traffic moves slower in, in New York. And this it is depends, man. part people, of... This people is, there really trust the lights. I saw a comedian do something on this, but he was right. People in New York really fucking trust those stoplights. They have super faith that you're going to stop because sometimes you're doing 35 or 40 and it happens sometimes and someone will just jump right out in front of the car it's fucking insane yeah well anyway i yelled at the guy i said there's a crosswalk right there asshole because did you do did you direct him to a lawn to get off of i didn't <laughs> well, like i said like i didn't see him I didn't see him until he was damn near crossing in front of me. So I see the light change. I see the brake lights go off on the cars in front of me, and I'm starting to inch forward while he's trying to cut in front of me real quick. So I had to hit the brakes, and then he had to stop in front of me and make sure the guy next to me saw him was going to stop. Anyway. Hey man, yes, I'm an old man, and I yell at with me. That's, you're, but no, you're, you're seeing the lack of self-awareness. I see all the fucking time. I'm going to see it tomorrow in a few hours when I'm at the airport. <laughs> like we're, we are, we have, it's probably cell phone's fault, but we are no longer self-aware. Yeah. Like as a group. Well, I, I think when I start sounding like a cranky old man, I think that's when I need to start wrapping it up. <laughs> <laughs> Tell stories about, Hey, I yelled at a pedestrian today. Why? <laughs> I don't like his hat. I don't fucking know. Well, before we before we put a bow on this one, I want to bring up something. Yeah, um, we barely touched upon it last week, uh, and I wanted I wanted to get more of what you were saying. I don't know if it was because we had Monique on and we just we decided to go on to another subject. I can't remember exactly, but we were talking about something. And I had said, well, if you flip the, the coin over and you said, you know, I don't buy into this flipping the coin over shit. Were we and talking about like, get out? No, no. You'd use that as an example. And oh. I was like, because uh, I now maybe Chris, uh, Chris, I don't mean to put words in your mouth. Maybe Chris said that at that point, because no, I, I think I said seen, it. I've seen the movie and I'm like, I don't see if you flip it, how it would be considered racist. I mean, it'd just be, but then again, it's a fucking movie. It's a horror movie. Right. right. And I understand it's, there's a deeper you know, meaning to it. But I mean, ultimately, it's not real, people. So I don't understand why you're so upset, no. you know? So, but anyways, it's just, it was more of the fact that you were like, well, I don't buy it. And I had said, well, wait a minute. So you think it's right that one group gets preferential treatment over another? And you were like, no, it's, no, it's right. It's just bullshit. And I was like, okay. And then I cannot remember what, right then, like the subject got changed so but like please explain to me okay. where you're coming from because okay. the way i'm taking it is you're saying that the golden rule basically 
treat people how you want to be treated is bullshit. All right. Well, well, okay. This way I'm taking it. But so <laughs> it, you could apply that rule today if you had applied it to the history of this country or the world in general. But since it hasn't been applied previously, it's kind of a, a non-argument to, to use well, wait, that. Really, so we have to say it's so, bullshit just because some people didn't follow it? No. It doesn't mean it's bullshit. It just means it's ignored. Right. But let's just play this out, okay? So Get Out is a movie that some people could look at and say that paints white people in a really negative way. That's a racist movie. This is a mo- movie that is racist against white people. I've also heard that there's a reveal in this movie that I haven't seen yet that is going to throw all of that out of the window anyway, and that all this is a all this argument about the movie was just conjecture based on a movie that nobody had really seen. That's why I can't so, give away anything. So right, <laughs> right. So, but but moving on, I think I, it's not so much the movie; it's the conversation that the movie's bringing up in my mind. So, and, and part of the argument is okay. To prove that it's racist, all I have to do is switch the the races of all the characters from white to black. And if I made that movie, you would say that I was a racist. Okay. So, I think the difference here is, is that uh, the person who would be offended by the version of this movie as it is and think that it was part of this... Uh, Oh, white people have no no reason to exist. That uh, this is a phrase that I've actually been uh, seeing thrown around Twitter. And uh, you've, been, you've been hanging out on Black Twitter a lot, huh? <laughs> no, the opposite. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, I thought you said that you were saying you were seeing people say white people have no reason to exist. Yes. No. There's a lot. I've 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 actually followed a couple people that I saw respond to. Oh fuck! What's his name? What's the uh, was it the senator recently that was in the news? The one that, who said that you uh, you can't you can't run this nation on other people's babies or something ridiculous like that. Yeah, I can't remember who it was, but I just read that that quote. Right, and and so just out of curiosity, I was like, where the fuck are these people coming from? I started following a couple and seeing the ridiculous shit that they're tweeting about in support of this statement saying that you know yeah we what white people all of a sudden uh, aren't allowed to have culture they're not allowed to exist in this country that our way of life is always going to be subverted to the foreigners and that yeah we should have more white babies because we need to keep white culture going in this country and th- these are real people who believe the shit that comes out of their mouths but why do I think? Why do most people think that they're ridiculous? Because show your damages, right? If this were a court case, your damages would be uh, what imaginary. Show me where you were held back in life, the job that you didn't get because you were white. I mean, sure, everything exists in the world of possibilities. I'm just saying, per capita, it's not happening. And okay, well, and, I, and I, if you flip and if you flip that. And you make the movie where 
the white kid comes to is introduced to a black family that seems a little weird and say, well, if you know, that movie isn't racist and this movie isn't. Well, what do you have in this country? You have people, a lot of people probably pissed off but still nodding. Right? You have white people going, well, yep, see, there you go. This movie just illustrates how fucked up black people are. And you have black people going, well, there you go. This movie just shows you what a low opinion Americans have of black people in this country. So are they both racist? The, the, the movie of Get Out as it exists and the fictionalized version with the racist flipped. Are both of those theoretically racist? or They're either both racist or they're both not racist. It doesn't really matter. What actually guess, matters in the context of this is the reaction from the people who are watching, the, or not even watching the movie, just talking about the movie. Okay. Well, I guess that's where I didn't even... I, a lot of what you said, I, I didn't even... It didn't even cross my mind. I'm not thinking of it in those terms. I'm thinking yeah. of it in terms of, okay, if the end result is what I keep hearing people say they want, which is equality, mm-hmm. all right, then yes, if that is the end result, then we need to acknowledge that, yes, there are inequalities built into the system. Right. I have no problem admitting that. Why? Because I have eyes, ears, and I'm in full use of all my senses. I can see it every day. To get away from the movie Get Out, that's how come in, in the NFL they have something called the Rooney Rule. Now, the Rooney rule is if you have fire a head coach, you have to, before you hire a new head coach, you have to uh, interview at least X amount of coaches of, or, or people of color for head coaching position. Mm-hmm. Okay? Now, that rule was put uh, in I there. I thought they were going to send in <clears throat> Ed Rooney to interview you. No. The fair rule was president or yeah. president, uh, principal. <laughs> Keep him away um, from the kids. And, yeah, I know, right? Um but now, here's the deal. That rule was put in there, and that rule, in my mind, was put in there with nothing but good intentions. And, of course, people found a way to you know, work around that rule because, okay, they bring in their token one black guy, they interview him, and then they go hire who they were going to hire in the first place. Mm-hmm. Right? That's an issue. It's an issue that needs to be addressed. And the easiest way to address it, to me, is start with the players. What are predominantly the NFL's predominantly black players? Right. If they all got together and said, "Look, you know, these crusty old white dudes who are coming from the Bear Bryant days, you know, in the old school days, we can't relate to. We need to start getting some young blood into coaching in the coaching world. Teams will start hiring people, and that has happened." I mean, I'm not going to get into details because it'll bore the shit out of you, Aaron, and probably some of our listeners. But there are very successful teams who have younger black coaches, younger coaches of, I guess, we're lumping everybody together who's not white as people of color at this point. So, you know, the rule itself had good intentions, but it ultimately took people standing up and going, oh, this is bullshit, and you're not getting results because you're trying to force a 1950s peg into a 2015 hole. It's it's just not going to work. Right. Okay. <clears throat> so when I hear people say the ultimate goal is equality, if well if the ultimate goal is equality, then yes, we need to take measures to correct and make sure everyone the playing field is as level as possible for everyone. But that doesn't mean 
that no matter what you do, you end up with the same result. That's not equality. Okay, I understand, and I, I, I get arguments from white people, fellow fellow white people, on this all the time. Mm-hmm. And I just look at them and say, okay, when I say I was by being born white, I was born at least standing on first. I, you know what I'm saying? And then I'd even argue I'm, I'm sitting on second base. And I, and I was born poor white trash. Now, when, my, when, when other white people go, well, that's bullshit, man. That's bullshit. I go, really? Would you rather have been born where you were? Or would you rather be born to a fucking mother in Detroit and be a black kid? Which one would you rather? Where, where would you rather start out? Let's right. put it that way. And be honest with me. Because, and, and, you know, they'll go, well, I would trade places with someone like Chris Rock. No, no, you don't get to fucking choose the millionaire <laughs> black guy to trade places with. Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll switch with Oprah. Wrong. Yeah, no, so would most no. white people. Right. right. Or, or, exactly. Or this belief that, you know, their personality is so tied to them that they, they can't even acknowledge the nurture side of it. And they would believe, well, regardless, you know, if I was black and grew up in the inner city with a single mother, I'd still be where I was today. Nothing could hold me back. Oh, sure. You, you, let's say you're, and we would assume that, you know, each, this fictionalized other race version of this person would have all the same capabilities, the same level of intelligence and everything else. I'm not saying that it's impossible, but you have to acknowledge that, you know, I guess here's what give me give me a second because this is this is what I'm going to say this yeah people don't realize who are older than us and a lot of people our age or people who were born to a little bit more affluent families than maybe we were they don't realize starting off as working poor the hurdles you have to jump no matter if you're white or black, it's just the hurdles are higher for a lot of, for, for black people, I would say, in 99%, well, 95% of the cases. Mm-hmm. Case in point, try to get a job in a, in white collar field without knowing somebody, yeah. walking in just based on your fucking, Me. your skills. Me? And, yeah. <laughs> and when they start checking your Would credit, I be working re- this job that I'm doing right now if I was black? I don't know. If, when, but when they start checking your credit score, and your credit score is shit because your mother started a bunch of fucking lines of credit in your name to keep the lights and the gas on when you were a fucking infant, and you didn't know nothing about credit when you graduated high school. Nobody, yeah, <laughs> nobody even had that conversation with you. It was ridiculous. Exactly. So now you can't get a fucking job that pays a living wage. So now you, now you have to try to hook up with a company, work your way up the old school way, which really doesn't happen as often as it, it happens, but it doesn't happen as often as it used to. All right. And that's just one example of many I could give, but I won't because we don't have the time. Okay. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So what I want is, look, I have no problem admitting we're not equal when it comes to that shit. I have no problem. What I have a problem with is people going, well, because you're white, or because you're male, or because you're straight, your opinion doesn't matter on this subject. Okay, wait a minute. So if I can't speak to the black experience or the gay experience because I'm not black or gay, I accept that. But you need to shut up and stop speaking about what it's like to be a straight white male. Because everybody has an opinion about what it's like. 50K a year. Right. automatically deposited into our bank account. Stop acting like you know what it's like to be me. If I'm going to give you that consideration, I want to flip the coin and get the same consideration back. And if you have a problem with that, then you're the problem. That's what I'm getting at when I say flip it around. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, I'm not talking about movies or 
entertainment, I, and no, I understand I that's you. very important. But when I say flip it around, you can't sit there and tell me that I can't talk on certain subjects because I don't know what I'm talking about, and then have people who have no idea what it's like to be me tell me what it's like to be right. me. No, and I assure you that 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 isn't what I meant by that. Okay. I okay. I think I was just caught up in you know the previous conversation about get out in general. I mean, because all three of us, I think, will admit willingly, we don't know what it's like to be black. We don't know what it's like to be gay. No. We don't know what it's like to be a woman. Obviously, I mean, unless we're delusional, we're going to admit that. But And I would never presume to speak for those communities and say, well, this is how they all feel. Now, I can, I can say, from what I've observed, this is how the majority of, of, of you know, from what I observed, the majority of gay males tend to like go dancing like or something like that. You know what I'm saying? It, it, and that's really a harmless stereotype. Right. But you go to a gay club, there's a lot of gay guys dancing. What the fuck do you expect? Go to a, go to a straight club. Even guys that are trying to pick up pussy ain't out there dancing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, yeah. and I'm sure there's gay guys who hate dancing. I just haven't met a lot of them. I mean, it's, it's just, I mean, I know I'm, I'm kind of half-assed putting it in a, in a humorous way, but it's the it's the way I make my point. You know, it's the way I'm trying to make my point. And I mean, ultimately, isn't if 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 the goal is equality, then we have to start with we want equality at the starting line. We can't promise equality at the finishing line. It's just it's it, it's impossible. We can't do it. I mean, we can. But if we all have the the same the guns fired and we all start at the same time, some people are just naturally faster than others. Some people are going to finish first. Someone's got to finish last. Right. right, but when you talk about well rules for uh, um, affirmative action, basically is what we're talking about. When you're talking about the Rooney Rule, right? I mean, isn't that mm-hmm. basically we're talking about affirmative action? Yeah, it's just yeah, it's and just, I think pretty it up for the NFL, yeah, right. And again, you know, in a in a perfect world, we wouldn't have to have anything that resembled affirmative action. On paper, it's kind of a ridiculous concept. But to me, when people put rules like that into effect, they're pretty much saying, geez, isn't it ridiculous that we have to go to these lengths? That we have to make laws and rules for the way our organization operates that have to actively push to just think about a black person as a candidate for this position? And... It's not going to be the cure for your problem, ultimately. Maybe it'll make a difference. Maybe it, you know, maybe it makes a difference in, in the lives of few. Uh, maybe other people... Maybe the people making the decisions decide to find ways to circumvent anyway and find reasons not to hire the people that they don't want to. So maybe it makes no difference in that, re- in, in that regard. Chris, I would but, agree with you as far as tokenism if it was a case of, like, okay, when people go affirmative action, how can you defend it? All right, well, th- th- this is what I say to that. How can I defend it? All right. First of all, okay, like, let's, let's, take, let's take sports out of it. Look at uh, the Oscars two years ago when, when there was a bunch of protests and right. it was hashtag Oscars so white. Black people are underrepresented. Okay, yes. something that was said by someone in a sarcastic way is pretty much if we're if we're if if we're going to be equal and we're going to be fair, the the only way to to uh, to approach this, they were like so so what so if there's ten films nominated, one film is black, and fifteen percent of the population or twenty percent of the population is black, 
then shouldn't there be two films? And if 10% of the population is Asian, so we got to have an Asian film in there. And then if, you know, et cetera, down the line. And it's like, well, okay, well, I, if you want to go that route, and yeah, I guess. I mean, it, well, shouldn't, shouldn't, at least in the, in, when, you, when you look at government, when you look at politicians, the people representing people, I mean, shouldn't they reflect the people they represent in some aspect? I mean, I, you know, it's, it's kind of like the argument when people say, well, I don't care if cops live in, don't live in Detroit. I don't care if they live in the suburbs and go work in Detroit. But then there's a disconnect between the police trying to do their job and the people that live there, and they see them as separate. Ideally, you want police who come from those, those the neighborhoods, who know those neighborhoods, who know how they work, who don't have to be given a class on urban culture before they go out and when they and they fucking do a shift. I mean, that's just common sense, isn't it? I mean, and and technically, isn't that wouldn't that fall under like you know uh, some form of affirmative action? Well, if if Detroit's predominantly black, we predominantly want black police officers. I mean, isn't that a complaint all the time you hear from people who talk about police brutality? Is that there's you have too many white officers working in predominantly black neighborhoods who don't understand black culture? Yeah, and so that leads to misunderstandings, which leads to people getting killed. Well, I mean, it, it, I, that's that's what I point out to them. And to me, people go, "Well, how could you do that? How could you say that they? Uh, well, that's taking jobs away from white people." You're telling me there's not a fucking bunch of uh, areas that'll hire someone who's a cop because they're white. Really? I mean, ultimately, the problem is, is that you can't find enough black people who want to be police officers in Detroit. And I would say even deeper than that, there's a lot of people who just don't want to be police officers in Detroit, no matter what their color. All right? They go there, they put in their two years, and then they fucking look for a better job at a better department somewhere else. Right. So in a lot of these situations, it's really the fact that if you just, again, look at the numbers of how, you know, Whatever minority you're looking at, what percentage are they of the population, and therefore they should be represented in uh, in most areas of life in the same in the same way. I'm not saying that it everything needs to be a quota that you know our government should be made up of the same percentage of uh, of nationalities that we have in our nation, but. Perfect example. You go down to Miami and you work and you talk to cops in Miami. If you're not, if you don't speak Spanish and English, you're not getting the job. Right. So when you find these situations where there are these disparities, where you say, "Well, if black men or black black people uh, make up X amount of the population, why aren't we seeing the same roughly amount?" Uh, graduating from college and becoming a teacher or an engineer or something like that. Well, the, uh, the answer, the answer that's, is... That's a different conversation. The, the answer is there's, that the, there's an assumption that there's something institutionalized going on here. In order for there to be that much of a disparity, there's something in the culture that is against bringing these uh, uh bringing minorities into this uh into whatever it might be the police yes. force so so once you once you're just, fighting an institutionalized racism then you have to put in ridiculous policies 
to try and fight that, to try and stem the tide and hopefully get everybody on the same page of thinking, look, not only does this just make sense to give everyone the same opportunity that you actually are going to need and want these people in these positions. If you go to Detroit public schools and you walk into a classroom, you're going to see a teacher with a classroom packed to the, I mean, to almost bursting at the seams with, with, with students. Right. You're going to see very, maybe if you're lucky, one computer to every five students. And I think I'm being awful generous there. Okay. And then you go to a charter school in, in, in Detroit and it's a little bit better. Then you, then you do it because I have a buddy who teaches and he's, and he's taught in the suburbs and now he teaches in Detroit and he started teaching in the suburbs and it was like almost every student had access to a computer and the class sizes were smaller and an emphasis was put more on technology and actual using education. The tools, yeah, the, the, using the, the tools the, that everybody's going to be in, using in the future. Versus just getting asses in the seats right. for count day. And yes, that's cultural to a point. Okay. And here's, here's, here's another thing that it, it part of the, the issue I have. If you're going to be pragmatic about situations, then you have to look at situations, whether the facts make people uncomfortable or not, they're still facts. And the fact is, uh, I'm going to pull out that big H word, historically, Due whether to oppre- uh, oppression, uh, cultural influence, whatever, education is not as pushed in inner city communities as it is in suburban communities. That is a problem that needs to be rectified. All right. Mm-hmm. And that's a problem that when, when I hear people go, well, we don't want big white daddy coming into Detroit and trying to fucking save us. We don't need the big white savior. Yes, you do. Okay, yes, here's you want the guy with all the money to start building schools and hospitals, just like we want the guy with all the money and the, the country with all the money to do the same thing over in the Middle East. Okay, but Aaron, give me a second. If, yeah. that's, if, if, that's, if that's how you really want it, then here is the deal. You have to police your own fucking community. You have to change your own culture. Because if we're not allowed to speak on it because we're not part of that culture, then you have to do something about it. And if that's how you really want it, then you're going to have to accept the consequences of the outcome of that. And if after 50, 60 years, it's still as dire of a situation, it's time to look in the mirror. Because I'm going to tell you something. Every person I've ever met that succeeded, I'm not talking people that are trust fund babies. I'm talking people that have succeeded in the American dream. They all have one thing in common when it comes to failure. Oh, I know what you're going to say. They look inward first. They don't look outward yep. and go, I failed because my customers are stupid. No. they fa- Okay, I've actually had, I've worked for, for, for owners of restaurants who said, one of the reasons that I think we don't get as much foot traffic as we do is because we're in a poor location. We need to look at moving locations. Okay, well, whose fault is that? And if you ask them, they'll flat out say, yeah, I knew when I took over this franchise that it was in a poor location, but I took it over with the with the hope that as soon as I could flip it and started making some sort of a profit, I could move it to a better location. Right. You know what I'm saying? There's a plan there. It's not just, 
well, it's my customers. No, there's no customers, so fuck it. I'm going to throw my hands up and call it a failure oh. of a business. Right. That's why I was against the bailout oh of the auto industry. God, that's what I deal with every day. They can't compete with... <laughs> it's that they, kind of attitude. They can't compete with oh, China. Oh, me. Something else. Well, so, I mean, so... But... So if, if that's... Once again, if our goal is to ultimately be equal in our st- give everybody equal footing from the start then we're going to have to we're going to have to deal with things that are uncomfortable that people are going to go racist okay well guess what the facts don't <sighs> i used this uh, 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 saying the other day on on Sporgy, and i'm going to use it again today truth and facts are like rain it don't give a fuck who it falls on okay you can cry about it all you want and you can call racist and you can say you know, you privilege and all this bullshit all you want. That don't change the, the situation. It makes you feel better for the moment. It's the yeah. it's the comfort food of verbal diarrhea. But congratulations, <laughs> you feel better. Now, what have you accomplished? Nothing. In fact, you've done the opposite of getting forward momentum going because you've continued to drive a wedge between groups of people who, if they work together, we could get forward momentum going. Yes. Yeah. So, so well, when I say flip the when I say flip the script or flip the coin, what I'm basically saying is, and I understand that now that we've talked about it, you were like, you know, I, I wasn't I wasn't saying that. I get where you're coming from, Aaron. But it just in case anyone listening is like, well, what, he's still full of shit. Well, you might believe that, but what I'm saying is, I have no problem no problem helping people if they want help. But if you tell me I got this, I don't need your help, and I go, are you sure? Yes, I'm positive. Okay. And I step away and you fail. Don't be pointing a fucking finger in my direction when you're on the ground sitting there going, well, I failed because of you. How the fuck is it my fault? If you, if you turn down help, if you turn down, I mean, whether it be through government programs or, or, or affirmative action laws, whatever you, what, what, whatever you want to point the finger at, if you say those are all bullshit and I don't want them. Okay. Well, sometimes you need that. I'm sorry. This country wasn't built on on people being equal. I mean, you know, slaves were counted as a portion of a person. I mean, that that should tell you everything you need to fucking know. If you weren't a wealthy white male landowner, you weren't considered as you weren't considered a, a full person. I mean, yeah, it's these, still kind of like that, you know, just in general. But and see, that's the thing is that we're still so hung I'm up on smart race. Ass. I know, but we're still so hung up on race, and we look at it from those from that angle and through that prism. And what we're not realizing is that post World War II, it's been a shift at the top to not go. Well, we're going to keep them darkies down. It's been if you don't got money and you're not in the club, we really don't want you here. Yeah, and, it's, and you make under six figures, especially if you you're know, that you raw type of money. You're that inherited money, or you're that athlete who got the contract, or you're the the lotto winner. We're still up here. We're that old school wealth, and you're just rich. So you go be in your rich little suburbs, and we're going to be here in the wealthy community, and we really don't want you around. Fuck lotto winners. That's what's ruining ruining healthcare in this country. (laughs) A lotto winner. John Oliver pointed that out. (laughs) I was like, you know what? It took him to point out how asinine it is. What are your odds of hitting the lottery? Is it like one in like 50 million, 500 I million? I don't know. The fact that so, there's like seven so, pages of it, too. <laughs> exactly. So there t- people who have less of a chance of being struck by lightning in the same spot twice, right. they're worried about hitting the lottery and still sponging off the government. Right. They might and as well say, hey man, Adam Carolla calls it gambling for dumb people. 
But it, it's it's what it is. They, they should just have a section in there that says, "Look, we'll cover you the first time you get struck by lightning, but the second time you're probably doing something to ask for it." So. We're not going to cover your hospitalization. Here's the mentality of the people who play the lotto. All right? Is this kid, or people who habitually play the lotto, I should say. I used to work with this kid every morning. Every morning, after we go to the bank, we'd go next door to the party store. You know, I'd get my energy drinks, pack of smokes. He'd get his pack of smokes. And then he'd buy $20 in lottery tickets every day, five days a week. Do the math. Then I'd have to hear about how broke he is. He doesn't have a car. Like his, his baby mama's got to pick him up and drive him to work every day. And I'm sitting there trying to tell him, like, dude, you spend a car payment every month on lotto tickets. And his mentality was just like, well, yeah, but it, it's the whole I could win big. It's that whole mentality. Like the wife right now, she does that with Kino at the goddamn bar. Like she'll come home like, oh, I spent 50 bucks on Kino. Like it, it's that whole, it, it's that, it's. We're back to hope. We're back to selling people with nothing to lose. Well, hope. I think that's kind of what you do with the lotto. I mean, it's, it's that whole because every time she keeps talking about, oh, but I could win. I'm like, that's why you keep playing. That's how they get you. Right. You know, oh, but I could win. win. But you know what pisses the type of people you're talking about off the person who buys the one ticket when it's stupid fucking huge jackpot and they win it. Right. That's what pisses those people off. But look, <laughs> gambling is like any other vice, and. If that's what you want to, if that's how you get your rocks off, I don't judge anybody for that. But when it does start interfering with your, with your life in general, with your quality of life, I mean, like, I like to vape. I don't spend so much on vape juice that I, I can't pay my rent. Like, oh boy, and I can tell you, there's people who look at it as a hobby who spend big money i mean every week it's a new mod a new fucking atomizer the new this new that i'm talking right probably six seven hundred dollars a month they spend and that's just on the hardware so yeah you you, you picked the right example i mean because it's and it it really is look if it's your disposable income if it's the money you want to play with that's fine. It's when it starts being, do I eat today or do I go buy lottery tickets? Right, yeah. Do I eat today or do I go buy booze? I've been in that situation, you know, and I chose to go buy booze. And you know whose fault that was? It was my fault. Right. No one fucking stuck a gun to my head and said, don't eat today. I mean, cause, and this was literally my way of thinking about it when I was in that moment. I can either eat and be sober or have a, a stomach full of fluid and feel full and be drunk. Well, hey, I'm killing two birds with one stone if I go get drunk. Yeah. Like that was my rationalization, you know, but uh, these people, I, I, I got, I, just like you, just like you, Chris, I had a friend, he, he, he didn't buy lottery tickets like the guess the numbers right lottery. He bought the rub offs and he would literally yeah, this, this sit, kid would buy too. Yeah. He would sit in I my mean, car, scratch him off, go, Oh, I won, go back in and spend his winnings on more tickets until he finally didn't, it, he was back to zero. And I'm like, dude, you were ahead in the game. At one point, I watched you. You had uh, you had fifty dollars in your pocket. You spent ten dollars to get. You had a forty dollar gain. Go in there, cash it in, and call it a day. No, he kept going in there and buying you know forty dollars more lottery tickets until finally he had nothing to show for it. Yeah, and I'm like, dude, that's a, that's an issue, dude. If you because if that was any if that was if that was video games, if that was sex, if that was booze or drugs, people would be having interventions for him. 
I don't. I definitely don't have that trigger for gambling. No, in, I don't either. In hardly any respect. Even like when I watch movies where people are gambling and the stakes are getting really high, I'm like, "Stop! What are you yeah. doing? No!" <laughs> see, and that's see. That's, I I like to gamble, but I don't have the like. I'm that crazy like uh, fucking uh, measured gambler. Like right. I know if you get any, if you win more back, to, if you win back more than twenty five percent of what you put in, leave. Doesn't matter if you just sat down. Right. But, you score over twenty five percent. Like I. But that's like but saying to throw, some people, you like, hey, there, though, that goes away. When I'll, you have I'll, three I'll or f- that. when you have three or four beers, you're drunk. Stop. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't work with everyone. But like see, when I'm high thing. and I'm gambling, I make money. When I'm drunk and I'm gambling, oh god, do I lose money? <laughs> <laughs> but see, right there, you said you said it yourself, Aaron. You're, you're talking about someone who you don't have hey, that I, trigger. I'm glad. I'm glad that I never got into gambling. Like I got into drinking. Right. I, I never got into anything. I got. I got into drinking. I guess you could say I've held on to relationships like I was addicted to them. Maybe, but I think everybody's done that, especially when you're young, because you think it's this has got to be forever. Right now, I realize everything's pretty much temporary. <laughs> but, um, like, but I can understand right. it. It's I'm just going for people... streaks. <laughs> I'm sorry. What? What'd you say? I said I'm just going for streaks. <laughs> yeah, I'm on. A... But when I see people who are like, you know, man, I got to get this ticket. I got to get this this lottery ticket. Whatever. I... Yes, I I still like make the judgment call in my head, like dumbass. You're throwing money away. But at the same time, I have empathy for them because I know where they're coming from with that with that compulsion to do that. And it mm-hmm. really is. And it's an easier one to hide than drinking and drugs. I mean, it really is because it's, if they do it it's socially at the acceptable. counter, yeah, it's socially acceptable. You don't come into work hungover. You don't come into work with a bloody nose because you were on a Coke bender all night. You know, you can hide it a lot easier. It's only when, you know... The wife goes to get in the car and it's being repoed that you go, oh, yeah, uh, I forgot to tell you. And we've taken out a third mortgage on the house. Right. You know, then it becomes an issue. So, uh, yeah, yeah, that's something I'm glad never got its hooks in me because my addictive personality, shit. I'd be be in a a, a subway basement. I'll suck your dick for a rub off. (laughs) 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 I'll take even one of the $2 ones. Don't even have to be the fancy $5, $10 ones. All right, I think we got to wrap it up for this one. Hey, Chris, you got your positive thing for the week? Uh, at org. Just every time I see some go down in Washington, it's like Jesus Christ, people just go vote. This if you voted, this would not have happened. Vote.org. You just go there. You type in all your pertinence. It tells you where to go register to vote. Yeah. all that fun shit. I, I I firmly believe that if if just more people voted. It's not about the people. People are always going to vote crazy out there and have crazy beliefs and believe the wrong people. But if more of this country voted, we probably wouldn't be in this situation. I have no numbers to back that up. It's just a feeling. Well, like I, I don't want to co-opt your uh, your segment, but yeah, I was going to say, you know, I could throw one out there. It's not vote.org, but am what I stepping got? on your toes? What? Do you- no, do it. It's, it's I was gonna our say- show. You're on the show, too. Check out the Innocent Project. Go ahead and Google it. Check it out. Yeah, Innocence Project? Yeah, look, yes. at, look, at, look, at, look at some of the, the work they're doing. And, uh, you know, if you're looking for something to throw your, your weight behind because you got free time or, or you just like, you know, I haven't seen a cause that I can get behind, 
Eh, it might be one that you, you might be willing to, to, to put a little elbow grease into and a little yeah. time into. No, because these stories don't always hit the news, but it's constant. It, it, if you're paying attention, there's always a story about somebody who spent sometimes decades in prison for a crime they didn't commit. Exactly, yeah. And it's, it's amazing what a few loud voices will do to tip the scale sometimes in those situations. Right. So, because they're eventually like, fine, we've got plenty of black people in jail. I have this one. Shut up. <laughs> Jesus. As, cyni- <laughs> as cynical as that is, I kind of believe it is that way in certain parts of the country. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, I can't disagree with you. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I'm not trying sure to end on a positive note. I'm going to thank everybody. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Well, I mean, Rich, Rich did a positive thing and named the show right at the end, you know, so we're good there. What's the name of it? Oh, crap. What did he... Oh, shit. I had it, and now... Fuck. Flip the script? I don't know. It, it was a very rich comment. What were we talking about? I don't remember. What's a rich comment? Wait a minute. I don't know if I'm comfortable with I'll a rich comment. I'll find it when I edit. <laughs> why am I why am I a definition of something? <laughs> it was a richism, you know. Yeah, there you go. So thanks everybody who's been listening, who has downloaded. Uh I've been finding out in the last week or so that a lot more people listen than I thought. So that's cool. Uh, make sure that you're following us on social media at Unregimented Pod, uh on Twitter and then at Unregimented I think it's just at Unregimented on Instagram. You can email the show Unregimented at ChristopherMedia.net. Oh, Superfan Don. You gotta say thanks. Cheat the donate button again. Did she, she paid like the Adobe bill or something this month? Thank you. Don. Thank you. Thank you so much, Don. If we if we ever get our shit together and we get merch, we gotta give her a free t shirt at least. She ironically, she did actually mention in her comment on PayPal that she would love to buy some merch from two of her favorite can't miss podcasts. As a direct quote. Wait, I so, you, you could you repeat that? You broke up for a sec there. Oh, she did mention in her PayPal comment that she would like to buy merch from two of her Can't Miss podcasts. Oh, nice. One being this one, the other one being the Weezman podcast, which is available yesterday. <laughs> on, well, if you're listening to this on Saturday, it's yesterday, or next Tuesday on iTunes or ChristopherMedia.net. Uh, thank you, everybody, who has been listening, downloading, sharing. We will catch you next week. Yeah. See you. All right. Later, guys. Okay, so real quick, because I know that Aaron, you got to get to bed and all that.
If you like this show, please tell a friend. Please follow us on Twitter and like and share us on Facebook by searching for Christopher Media. You can subscribe to all ChristopherMedia.net shows for free on ChristopherMedia.net. Please make sure to rate and comment on all your favorite Christopher Media shows. Thank you in advance for supporting Christopher Media by clicking on the PayPal button and by clicking through to all the sponsors who support ChristopherMedia.net. Thank you for visiting ChristopherMedia.net. And thank you for listening. Thank you for visiting ChristopherMedia.net.